There is no better place. It's time to talk. The only way to get anything done in Cork is to go on to the internet. <laughs> you know? Fair play. Talk to Neil Prenderville. That's, that's a Cork threat at this stage, I think. <laughs> the Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Uh, I just love Cork people. Conversation that matters. Be part of that conversation, the Neil Prenderville Show daily with Mercedes-Benz Cork. My thanks to Mick Mulcahy yesterday for stepping in and doing a stellar job as uh, as always. Um, paper-wise this morning, we started the week uh, on Monday morning talking about the arson attacks at five large Cork City stores on Sunday. Uh, I'm picking that up from the papers this morning because a man appeared in court yesterday. Liam Healan has copy in this morning's Echo as an example. Olivia Kelleher, the journalist, also covers it for a lot of different papers. Um, and this is um, a story that says the man himself told Gardy while being interviewed that he was responsible for the crimes. I want to go into much detail of this story right now because I'll talk to Olivia Kelleher in a few moments' time. Uh, but it was the first appearance yesterday of a 23-year-old by the name of Samuel Nunez Nito of no fixed address. Now, part of the hearing yesterday showed an instruction from the judge asking for the prison governor to provide all necessary medical attention uh, to Samuel Nunez Nito uh, when the defence requested a psychiatric report. So that's front and inside in the Echo today. More on that in a few minutes' time. Do you recall that horrific, awful, depraved killing of a woman um, in the woodlands of Donnerail back in 2021. This was the death of 72-year-old um, Mrs. O'Keefe, uh, Mary O'Keefe. Now, she had been um, before that, um, you know, a, a friend and, and an acquaintance, I, I don't know any more about it than that, uh, of the man who was jailed for her killing, a fellow by the name of Michael Leonard. Um, and uh, I don't want to upset anybody terribly when I remind you of what happened they had arranged and she had agreed I think he, he had a serious fixation sadly with her but and just couldn't let it go apparently but anyway the court heard that she did arrange to meet with him in the woodlands but within minutes of her arrival he threw two gallons of petrol into the car and set it on fire now the post-mortem as we're reminded of it in the star this morning it showed that um, Mary O'Keefe was still alive when the fire started so what an horrific death anyway he died himself um, the man who set fire to a woman uh, because he became obsessed by her uh, just weeks after being sentenced he got life in, in prison for it and uh, he died after a battle with uh, cancer at the mercy I think I read somewhere yesterday it might have been prostate cancer and I think also I did read somewhere that he refused, treat, refused treatment for it and, and then there is a, an, another story it's going to be very interesting to see how this one plays out in the coming days and weeks. But Gardaí are now seeking uh, more information into uh, how uh, Sheila Dunn, the mother of two, died in a car crash almost three weeks ago in Cork. I need to walk carefully through this story because it is an active investigation by Angardish O'Connor. And I imagine there's a lot of forensic work being done on it. So I'll stick to Liz Dunphy's copy in the copy in the examiner this morning. Now, it's also, this story is doing the rounds seriously uh, on social media and nobody, say, in print nor in broadcasting can go anywhere near near any of that. So there's no point even texting me uh, about stuff like that because I won't be able to read it on on air. But the, the Gardaí Shikona's angle anyway is that we know Sheila Dunn uh, was in her 50s uh, worked as a special needs assistant in a primary school. She died. She was, uh, after the vehicle she was travelling in, crashed in Glanmire on the uh, 11th of February. Uh, now Sheila Dunn and a second woman were in an SUV uh, and it appeared to have rolled over 
and was found on his side uh, following the crash up around Sarsfield Court. Um, um, Sheila Dunn is understood to have been found uh, on the driver's seat side of the vehicle. We won't say any more about that. Uh, but the guards are now investigating whether or not she may actually have been a passenger in the vehicle at the time of the crash. Now, the other woman who was in the car with Sheila Dunn wasn't seriously injured in the crash, but there's a there's an incident room down in Glanmar Garda Station and they're combing through hours of CCTV footage. There's a big investigation. The Garda statement said that there were no arrests at this time but that investigations are ongoing. I'll say no more about it um, for fear uh, of saying too much, but uh, obviously that's an active investigation. And when you talk of road tragedies, you might recall that story of Dylan Cody Coleman. Um, He he died, um, and as he was passing away, his new baby brother um, was able to meet him. It's it's, it's awfully sad. Uh, Dylan was only 10, his organs were donated and he died in a traffic collision in County Clare and he died the day after his little brother, his little sibling Shane's birth. And that's why you have headlines in the Mirror and the Star and what have you this morning saying your big brother was a hero, mum gives birth as Dylan dies and donates organs. I mean, talk about tragedy. It's awful. How would a family ever recover from anything like that? Um, And there are other deaths reported in the papers this morning. The front page headline in the Echo this morning is the death of uh, Clayton Love Jr., who died uh, at home in in Dublin. Um, And a lot of tributes to a man they call the Titan of Cork Business. They call him Renaissance Man. And there are many tributes uh, to the late uh, Clayton Love Jr. There were big dynasty family on Lee's side. Actually, you can very much thank Clayton Love Jr. Um, for many of the, well, I don't know if you can thank him for the arrival of all of the shopping centres in Cork, but he certainly opened the first one out in Douglas in the front village in 1971. He also was very closely involved in the Chamber of Commerce and Beamish and Crawford and the Royal Court Yacht Club and all sorts of, I mean, now he got so much time to be involved with the RNLI and Photo Wildlife Park and things like that. But the first the first shopping centre in Douglas, and that was taking quite a punt back in the day. I mean, you'd have no problem thinking about shopping malls and arcades and things like that. But way back then, of course, it was all little corner shops, as the fellow says. And sadly, may you rest in peace, incidentally. And sadly, we have uh, on the same street as Nash 19, uh, which closed just after Christmas. Um, this is um, this is interesting because, uh, to be quite honest with you, those behind Burnt, uh, Damien Tuig uh, and and the staff worked really hard and led a really good business and made great pizza. But he doesn't hold back on, on the reasons why more and more businesses on Leaside are closing. Um, this and, and Princess Street really was rocking for a long time with the Eat on the Street destination. It was part of many of the restaurants there, Rossini's and, and Nash 19 and, you know, Quinlan's and people like that. Anyway, they had to pull the plug yesterday. Um, the VAT rate is one of the reasons why. Uh, the increase in the minimum wage is another one. That's had a knock-on effect. Uh, they're up the wages, uh, changing holiday and pension entitlements, all of that. Uh, and it's been like a perfect storm. He says, he was actually quoted in the examiner this morning saying, I don't know who the Einstein is that's making these decisions and thinks that it's not going to have an effect on industry, which is already under pressure. He described it as being his baby. Burnt was opened on his birthday. Um, and of course, it's very sad when somebody has to close a business. But uh, in fairness, he's been open uh, and uh, very forthcoming as to the reasons why. Meanwhile, um, we see the construction is about to start. This will be on the site of Live at the Marquis. Now, Live at the Marquis this summer moves to a different site, kind of across the road. But the construction then begin has begun on the site where Live at the Marquis will be part of Ford's at the time. I think. They call it a distribution area of Fords. You guys that might have worked on that would know it better than me. Do they store an awful lot of the cars there, put them together, or 
what do they do with them? But they're going to build a thousand homes now. Imagine that, a thousand on the former Live of the Marquis site. And that's to begin in the second half of this year, according to the uh, the developers uh, who make the front of the examiner's end. Lots then to do with RT. I don't know whether you watched the Oireachtas hearing into Minister uh, Martin um, and uh, why and the events that led to Shuani Rahalig um, resigning. I mean, it's a bizarre story in more ways than one, but now the mail is quoted as um, those within the corridors of power saying that the entire RTE board must now be sacked, that you need a clean slate. I don't know if that up to... The, clearly, Kevin Backhurst isn't on the RTE board, but he looks quite vulnerable as well, particularly af- after some of the things that the media minister said at the Watchdog Committee. But these side deals and all of these exit packages within RTE, that makes the independent today. Now, everything is changing within RTE. Um, any of the stars who have little side deals on the go have to clear everything now with RTE management, every single thing, particularly if you are somebody working within RTE who has a very strong social media presence or has side deals with different advertisers or clients or is a you know an influencer or a blogger. You're not allowed to do anything now, apparently. This is what I'm being told from the corridors of RTE unless it, unless it is first cleared. I suppose the porridge in the on-air studio kind of changed an awful lot of things, didn't it? But ever ever since Ryan Tuberty's side deal with, uh, with Renault, uh, the wheels came off the cart in that one. And then if you think that all of the side deals or exit packages are only something within RTE, think again because the Irish Times this morning says that one of the most senior executives in the HSC is to get a redundancy package of nearly €400,000 redundancy. Um, and this is a, a man by the name of Dean Sullivan. I'm sure there's nothing untoward about it apart from the eye-watering figure. He was appointed six years ago as Director General, has left its employment by agreement and by redundancy. I know no more about it than that, except that it's just under 400 grand. And Enoch Burke makes the papers as well with the Independent saying that Enoch Burke continues to be paid in his teaching role. He was suspended 18 months ago. So there's actually nothing wrong with somebody being paid if you've been suspended from your job. I don't know if the papers are trying to suggest that there is, but he's been paid 72 grand ever since. And during the week, earlier in the week, I was talking about parents cutting back on food for themselves so that their children could eat. They're also cutting back on any kind of luxury just to deal with essentials, even deferring paying bills or trying in some way to keep the family above water. And then who comes along? The Kellogg's CEO, the boss of Kellogg's, who himself made more than $4 million last year, urging people or at least suggesting to people that they should eat cereal for their dinner, that they should have cornflakes for dinner. It's a bit like Marie Antoinette, isn't it, saying, let them eat cake, the infamous line, let them eat cake. He's been accused of being absolutely tone deaf uh, for suggesting something like that. He said breakfast cereal would be a much more affordable dinner. Cereal for dinner is something that is probably more on trend now. Now, I do recall in my youth and even from time to time, a bowl of cereal is a lovely treat with ice cold milk of an evening, but you wouldn't be substituting dinner for it and you wouldn't be stupid enough to be suggesting that people should. But for those with more money than sense, no, I shouldn't say that. If you have money, you're entitled to spend it on anything you want, including an electric Aston Martin. But apparently, uh, those that like Aston Martins are holding back on buying an electric uh, Aston Martin for one simple reason. They want the roar of the engine. And of course, electric is pretty much silent. So it's kind of pointless having 
you know, well, it has an electric engine and then apart from a, a six-cylinder or whatever it is. But it's a problem unless they can in some way, shape or form replicate the roar of the engine. But then again, if you've got enough money and you're 275 grand, maybe you might think that you might want to get yourself an electric car that can fly. I'm making real value for money there. It could fly as well as take to the roads. And apparently you would learn to drive it and to fly it in just 15 minutes, apparently, because it's pretty much the same driving this electric car. It's a super looking thing. Actually, let me rephrase that. It's a weird looking thing. You wouldn't even quite call it a sports car, but I mean, I think it's, it's probably just one massive battery with wings. But apparently it, you would drive it or fly it the very same way as you would fly a drone. So it's probably got just one toggle switch and that's it. Left, right, up and down and away you go. Um, battery power? Well, for 275 grand, you'll get 320 kilometres on the road or a flying range of 175 kilometres. <laughs> Then you land in a field or land on, land on a motorway or put into what? Wanna, put into one of those big service stations on the Dublin road to uh, charge it. But anyway, uh, 275 grand and you can buy one later this year. Um, you need a license to fly it. Surely be to God, no? I mean, you just can't learn to fly it inside in the car showroom and off you go. Like, would you not need? You're flying around aircraft and whatever. But anyway, anyway, that's the way it is. And just one or two other ones, quick ones. Delighted for the Frank and Walters. They will lead the Cork City Parade this year, the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Cork City. It's a lovely story that makes the front of the Cork Independent today. And good luck to them. Um, and actually, the front of the Cork Indo reminds us that it's going to be a great summer. We've got Bruce the Boss being Springsteen getting things rolling in Porky Cueve in May and after that then we've got the likes of Van Morrison Damien Dempsey Brian Adams Christy Moore all down the marquee not too far then over in Virgin Media Park we've got Sting and Take That the Wolf Tones and Shania Twain you can be sure of one thing there'll be more announcements between now and the off I'd say but it's shaping up great for summer Call Neil now 0818 104 106 The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM Okay, back to the story that we started the week with and these were these five large fires at Cork City Centre stores late Sunday afternoon um, and uh, there was a court appearance yesterday uh, of an individual called Samuel Nunes Nito, a 23-year-old of no fixed address, was before the courts. Olivia Kelleher, freelance journalist, was in court for that. I, I don't think a whole lot went on. It probably was very quickly. There's limited information available, but let's see what you can inform us and up-to-date us. Olivia, good morning. Good morning, Neil. As you say, um, the accused man, Samuel Nunes Nito, or Neto, I'm not sure, of no fixed address, um, appeared before Cork District Court, where he was charged with five counts of causing criminal damage by fire in relation to that incident in the city centre on Sunday uh, shortly after five o'clock and now the impacted shops Neil were TK Maxx, Superdry Lifestyle Sports, Next and Boots in the areas of Patrick Street, uh, Corn Market Street Half Moon Street and Opera Lane. Um, Now there was no reference made Neil to the value of the damage and no evidence given on that in court Um, the the damage mentioned on the charges really to clothing at Next, Superdry and TK Maxx, clothing and building structure at Lifestyle Sports and uh, there was damage to cosmetics, perfumes, toiletries and shelving at Boots. Um, Defence solicitor Joe Cudigan um, told Judge Mary Dorgan that his client had made full admissions while in custody. Um, Mr Cudigan said um, Mr Nunes was questioned last night at the Bridewell and he made full admissions. These admissions are corroborated by CCTV guardy took from the various premises. 
and Gardaí are not seeking any other person in connection with these incidents. Now, I, sh- I should emphasise that this is, is, is not a guilty plea. This is just what his uh, solicitor, uh, Joe Cudigan, is saying at this point, Neil. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. There, was, there, was, there was also a request from the solicitor that um, that he would be offered uh, psychiatric services, I believe, while there on, was, on remand, is uh, it? Yeah. That's it. Uh, Joe Cudigan asked the judge to recommend that uh, his client undergo a full psychiatric evaluation while in custody. And he also requested that a preliminary psychiatric report be prepared on his client before he is back in court again um, next week by video link. Um, the accused didn't speak. Uh, he wasn't required to speak during the short hearing and he was uh, dressed in a dark sweatshirt and blue jeans. Um, he, there was very little in the way of, of background information um, in the case or any way, in any way of an outline. Uh, Joe Cudgan just said that his client had no fixed address and that he'd been accessing the services of the Simon community um, Joe, Joe Cudigan said he'd done a certain amount of research with his client's family as regards his mental health and there was no application for bail in the case. Um, Sergeant Garrow Davis applied to have um, Mr Nunes Nito remanded in custody until March 6th and Judge Mary Dorgan granted the application. Yes, yes. Uh, so uh, th- are you saying that Gardy aren't looking for anybody else uh, with regards to those arsons? That was, that was what his his uh, solicitor, Joe Cudigan, said. OK, OK. And thank you for that. And the, the next update on that, of course, will be March 6th. But it, we're still vague as to the actual financial amounts of damage, are we? Yes. You can't nail yes. that down in any way just we yet? We can't nail that down. Uh, no indication um, in the court as, as of yet. Um, I think more will probably come out next week or in, in further hearings. But um, next week, I, I think uh, it'll, it'll relate more to to reports in relation to psychiatric um, attention and psychiatric care. Um, so that'll what will take up, I think, the next hearing of the case. But um, as I say, he'll, he'll, I believe he'll turn 24 in the next few days and he's back before the court again um, on March the 6th by video link. OK, OK. Um, I, I don't know whether this is even worth mentioning, but I know free legal aid was granted, but was it two different solicitors for free legal aid? Did, did um, I read that right? I... Yeah, it was uh, Mr. Cudigan was granted free legal free legal aid to represent um, Samuel Nunes Nito, but he asked for a separate certificate for free legal aid to be granted to another solicitor in his office on one of the other arson charges. Okay. Okay. And uh, he said there were like five separate five separate charges. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he'd limit his application on on to two certificates, two separate certificates for free legal aid. Okay. Okay. All right. Just a it's just a technical legal matter, I suppose. Anyway, just, back. it's just a technical matter. Yeah, yeah, back, in, back in court uh, on back Sunday. Back in court next week. Yeah. yeah, okay, you're the best. Thank you so much, Olivia. Thanks I do appreciate much, it as always. Olivia Kelleher, uh, freelance journalist, uh, and that uh, copy is in many of the uh, the daily papers today. Text 86 We'll keep we'll keep an eye on that one. I, you guys had a lot of fun yesterday, uh, I know, talking about your first gig. This was an opportunity for you to win uh, tickets on air yesterday morning uh, for Van Morrison, wasn't it? And people were texting away mad about their first gigs. I love those kind of nostalgic stories. In fact, I saw some that still came in that Mick didn't get an opportunity. Gigs that people saw on Side. Here's a cracking one. Ginny says, I saw Dusty Springfield and the Everly Brothers in the Arcadia. Saw the great Roy Orbison there as well. The Bachelors in the Mallorca. Did anybody talk about the Rolling Stones? Didn't they uh, play the uh, Savoy or the Pav? God dang it, I can't remember. 
remember which one. Um, then there's an interesting one from 1974. This is a mystery. Oh, yeah, the Savoy. The Stones played the Savoy in 1965. Well done, Kev. I don't know if anybody was at that gig. Were you? Text 0868104106. Um, Kurt Cobain would have been another one. I see that came up definitely yesterday. Kurt Cobain and Nirvana and Sir Henry's. They even remember the date, the 20th of August, 1991. They were barely known back then. An amazing, intimate gig with an iconic band, Sir Sharon in Carrick Navarre. It must have been good to have been there. Uh, the Bee Gees also played the Savoy in 66 or 67. They've always been and still remain a big Bee Gees fan. Another lovely one here which needs um, a little bit of uh, investigation. Somebody says they saw Steely Dan in the Savoy in 1974. Um, but we Googled that and couldn't find a Steely Dan gig in the Savoy in 1974. But we did find a Steely Span gig <laughs> in the Savoy in 74. So good would have been then. One or two others then. Boston, Cheap Trick, Robert Palmer. I was 15 many years ago. I didn't go to America, especially for the concert. I was on a family holiday and it just happened. Wow. They're the best kind of gigs, aren't they? Anyway, keep those comment text 0868 104 106. I want to go back to my phone lines, but before I do that, today is the leap year date of February 29th. It's a peculiar, pesky kind of a day for lots of people. But if it's your birthday today, I'd love to hear your own leap year stories about how being born on a leap year day, like February 29th, affects you in the sense that you only have a birthday every four years. So text 0868104106 on that one, and we'll come back to the whole leap year phenomenon, phenomenon later on this morning. But back to the phone lines ago. D, good morning. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, this was something that I was talking about on uh, Monday and Tuesday's program, and this is uh, the state or maybe even the chaos within our health system, right? What have you got to share for me? Um, it's just that when the two ladies were on the other day, um, I'm not forgetting their names now, but um, I just basically said like they could be telling my dad's own experience. Was it the stories of family members who went into hospital because of a fall, but came out with an awful lot more? Yeah, like okay. say my dad went in and um, he went in with a broken hip and um, within a couple of days he had um, he got some infection that I'd never heard of before, the CPE so again one of these super bugs and um, we were just told as you know, family members you can maybe go and visit one at a time whatever, but going up um, so that was fine but what we did notice, there was an awful lot of inconsistency in, you know, some nurses going up, others didn't, um, people in and out of the wards. It was like just like, you know, the lack of communication and consistency in the care and all this kind of thing. So then um, that was the CP. He got some superbug. Again, I think it's something that grows in the gut. And by the sounds of it, it's passed through perhaps... Um, no, I get the impression it was probably a dirty bedpan or, uh, you know, toilet seat or whatever, really, you know. So yeah, it's yeah. one of those. And so we kind of started to... Would you call that a hygiene, a hygiene or a lack of hygiene acquired infection? A lack of, yes, a lack of hygiene. Um, oh. So we started paying attention then, like, to different things in the wards and stuff. And, you know, toilet seats that had, you know, stains on them that for days were not cleaned. So we were kind of going, OK, right. This washable is, uh, washable stains, were they? Yes, a toilet brush would have, and a drop of bleach and whatever. You know, like in, in just common, you know, household tidiness that you'd apply to your own home. You know, like it, it, it obvious things. It, but it doesn't on, surprise on me. Housekeeping tell me that they can't get to all of the jobs. See, and that's the thing. Um, and again, like you, you couldn't fault 
the staff, it's the lack of staff. And like, again, this blanket embargo, like it should be like from top heavy management to a point. And then like your, your grown staff should be, you know, boosted. I mean, I was just saying to people there, like I, I was signed up to a website and, um, it was publicjobs.ie and for a long time the HSC, the number of jobs they were posting every day and it was all top heavy management like you couldn't, you wouldn't even understand the title of the role and then the salaries to go with it but now that has stopped since the embargo but I mean I never realised there was a full blanket embargo oh, total. on all yeah. no, no, totally, yeah. apart from I mean, agency that's, that's apart from ridiculous. agency so what they have to do now is they have to pay companies agencies who, who bring work into the country who are trained and skilled in what would have been a mix of agency and um, and uh, you know other professions that were already here in the first place. But but so your dad went from a, a very healthy man with a hip injury to infections. But it says here that within four days he went downhill due to starvation and picked up infections. Yes, um, you see. Now, okay, he did have COPD, and um, I mean, okay, that was being managed uh, by, by a different team from the Mercy. But then the UH, um, they kind of, um, okay, he got a very bad chest infection in there on top of the um, CPE infection. Um, we were told, because we could see him getting very frail looking in front of us, and we were told by a doctor on the Thursday, no, 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 he's fine, he's fine, you don't need to worry, because we were saying, do we need to start gathering family? Like, are we looking at the end here? And she was like, no, 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 look, we'll give him a few days now and he'll be fine. And she went off duty, it was a long weekend, and she came back, say, on the Tuesday, and my brother had was up with my dad. Now, at this stage, we had taken it upon ourselves as family members to push to be in there more. But we were told because of CP infection, limited access, this, that and the other. But we said, look, we can see him deteriorating. One of us wants to be with him as much as possible. So um, that doctor came back on duty on the Tuesday and she took my brother aside and she was practically crying, saying, I cannot believe the difference in the man that I left here Thursday to know. So Brian then said, like, oh, so do I need to start ringing family? And she said, do. She said, I can't tell you for sure. We could be looking at 24, 48 hours. So we were like, okay. That's, we uh, family gathers and, you know, again, like, we were going into this room full of infection, in and out, and all the different family members. And we were just completely boggled by the whole situation. You know, as I say, the lack of communication, lack of feeding, lack of basic hygiene, lack lack of everything. It was just unbelievable. What happened next? Um, okay, so uh, we insisted that on mealtimes because, right, say, no, this sounds terrible and really sneaky, but say, I'd ring in the morning and say, oh, I'm just ringing about my dad. Did you have a good night? And had he had some breakfast for you? Yeah, 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 he's on the mend. He had a great night last night and he had a great breakfast there this morning. That was grand. Never kind of even asked me what ward is he in or whatever. Like, I could have been talking about anybody. Uh, but in fairness to them, you did give his name, so and they probably just, yeah. you know, searched but, Yeah, but the like, I mean, gave so many patients um, and he was in an isolation ward. So you can't just stick your head in and out and have a look and see is his tray after being touched or whatever. Okay. Like, there okay. was. So, um, but his sister was up there that morning. She had finished a 12-hour shift and she's a care worker herself. She went from work and up to my dad 
and at the time that I was on the phone, she was inside feeding my dad his breakfast, who apparently had eaten a full breakfast, a great breakfast. That wouldn't so have happened I without was, the family member there. Yeah. Exactly. And like, so, like, again, I don't want to be scaring people with family members up in the CUH because they are fantastic but trust your gut and if you have the resources like if family can go in at feeding times where your 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 relative is struggling you know like physically um, even appetite wise and might need a bit of encouragement to eat like try and, and make try and be there to be yeah. there at meal, did, meal times did he recover? He, he he never recovered fully because um, after he had surgery then he got another infection then he was he got delirium um, which was very scary for us and then he was diagnosed with early onset dementia so he went in with a broken hip with COPD complications but came out with like malnutrition um, that like a, just loads of infection, demented, and you know he's just a, like he's a very frail man now, and a, you know a shadow of himself. And had you noticed any kind of cognitive impairment in the weeks before the fall or going into hospital or anything? Not like like again the the senior doctors they tried to make us believe that. Ah uh, no 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 he had to have issues before but like like everybody like my well he was always a forgetful man or like that was I think by choice too like he chose what he wanted to remember but um like the level of deterioration like his mental deterioration like it couldn't be explained you know as actually this was happening uh, he had to okay. have been a bit right. like this yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, now again, like you go in, you Google all these things, delirium and whatever, like and certain points do kind of, you know, they they make sense. You know, it's but traumatic. You, you, it's, yeah, oh, I, I understand all of that. But like he came out the shadow of the man he went in and and mm-hmm. and, and that must make you very bitter if the whole thing resulted from um, an infection that was picked up because of a lack of hygiene and no cleaning of the bathroom. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, you know, broken, like, not, not the, like, but the caps of syringes on the floor, you know, dirty bandages, you know, um, just, just, like, the wards were filthy. They really were, like, in the toilets, like, I, I wouldn't dream, you know, and, you know, I, I just would not use, like, I, I just felt even icky coming out of there, like, it's just... No, it shouldn't be that yeah, way. Yeah, and I, I don't know if it's like that on all wards, but the trauma ward that he was in, um, you know, like, okay. it, was, it was shocking, really was. Yeah, sad. But again, how is it going to change, though? Because, I mean, I know that we'll be on here in 12 months' time and somebody else with some family member will be telling their story because, like, in the past, I, I sit and listen and think, oh, God, that must be terrible, that must be terrible. Well, Surely listen... It's not um, that bad. No, it, no, it, and, and now that I see, it is that bad. It doesn't seem to be changing because I, I touched on this topic numerous times in the past five, ten yeah. years um, and, and particularly with a particular emphasis to elderly people who go into the hospital. Yes. Are, are you saying that yes. people who have an elderly parent just as a typical example, should be wary and cautious if they're going into the CUH. Yeah, uh, and I mean, again, not to scaremonger, but like just just pay attention and go with your gut and don't be always talked over and don't be bombarded by big words and fobbed off. And, you know, like you're an intelligent person, trust your gut, talk to your relative. I mean, my my dad even said to me, you know, I'd say like, why, why, why don't you have your bell? Why? Oh, they keep taking it off me. And I'm like, what? 
I said, like, no, here's your bell, and if you need it. But he said, sure, even if I call them, they won't come. Like that, yeah. like he was... He you was could have one the, nurse to 18 patients. One, one. Yes, yeah. but, but what if it happened to our care assistants? Where are they all gone? Because, like, I worked as a care assistant myself many years ago, and I was allowed to feed, wash. Um, I was even allowed to empty catheters, you know? Like, we, we took on a role, like, when my dad was above, like, us family members would help other patients, you know? They wanted a pigeon. They'd be screaming for a pigeon. Nobody was coming to get them a pigeon. I'd be going out for one. I'd say, can I get you one as well? Or we'd take pigeons, we'd empty them. Um, the pigeons then as well, that was another thing that freaked m- my brother out in particular. The pigeon, whether used or empty, was always put next to the tray of food. It was always put on the table, clean or dirty. Like, you know, is that, I mean... Is that, to be close, is that to be close to the patient to reach for it, I wonder? Uh, but surely, like, you could put it, like, on okay. the side locker. You know, you don't put it next to your tray of food. No, I'm just saying that you know, when, it, when it's put down, it's probably clean and sterile, though. Yeah, but then when the patient uses it and they're, they're kind of a bit bound for mobility and whatever, like, and they, the yeah. nearest thing they, they can put it on, but, like, that's left there then for hours. Oh, I see. And, it's again, that's an infection it. risk as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. So it's like... Okay. And I got given out to as well for giving somebody a drink of water. Um, I, I was told... Um, do you know what his dietary requirements are? And I said, it's a glass of water. Um, you don't know if he's nil by mouth. I said, well, it's, I said, in the past, if a patient was nil by mouth, there was a sign up saying nil by mouth. You know, like, don't berate me for giving someone a glass of water. No, but you could you know, choke. You, but there is a, there is a, a risk that you could choke them. You see, that's the. You see, we're not medical. We're not medically trained, the likes of you and me. So we have to bow to those that are who would say. That can be a very dangerous thing to do unless you know what the patient is suffering or what the instructions are with regards to their care. I'm, I'm just saying, you know. No, I know, I know, so but me. like, I'm just saying compassion. Oh, I, listen, training, Kamira, I know. You know it's mean, all back to basics is what they need to do. Okay, thanks for that, Dee. Thank you so much for sharing. Traumatic and all as it was. Dennis, though, says that the mercy saved his life. More on that after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Text 0868 Dennis, good morning. Good morning, man. Swinging over from uh, the CUH to the Mercy. You went in through, uh, with by ambulance, through the A&E, right? Um, and you are very complimentary about all levels of staff there. You're very complimentary about the cleanliness of the of the hospital, um, that the staff give 110%, right? Pick up on that. Yeah, well, my endless start is I, I went for a walk in Melbourne on Sunday. Um, climbed the Middlebury Mountain with 12 friends of mine some of them are listening this morning there now came back down got a twinge didn't think much of it went home I've had the hernia for 5 years it's been manageable and at some stage I knew it would be operated on but I kept going knowing me and I know why that is today because I have a theory on that and I discussed it with other people so it goes back to my sports days mm. you get an injury uh, you get better you know mm. and when you stop playing sport then and you become a spectator, you get a pain, you, your mind takes you back to your sport, and you think it's going to be okay and it's going to go away. Mm. Or it's a different pain, it's a different complaint. Mm. So I came down, came back home on Monday, got on with my business, came back around maybe four or five o'clock, went out to do the garden, there was a hole, walking away, and next I got stuck in a big root, went to lift it, and the remainder of the, the hernia that I had within me popped out, and I collapsed in the backyard. Now I made my way to the sofa, sat on the sofa, crawled over, to take the tablets that I was taking over the counter and this time they didn't work. Are they a pain, pain management, is it? 
Yeah, no, no, they're not. No, they're. Okay. they're I, I'll use the name now if I may. Oh, no. um, and I don't want anybody to be taking these. I was just taking them at the time. Buskapan. And it would relieve the pain, but this time there was no relief. So I sat on the sofa and I brazened it out for as long as I could, for as long as I could. And I remember the doctor telling me one time above the mercy, if this ever gets too bad, ring us, please. And that came into my head and I rang an ambulance in the early hours of the morning. I had my code. I would say to anybody, please have your code, always have the code, because it helps the ambulance service, because they're busy. Your air code, yeah. Yeah, your air code. got to me within 10 minutes. Um, they spent about 15 minutes in the ambulance making me comfortable put me on a drip Sarah a lovely young, a young girl in the ambulance the two other gentlemen I don't know their names they were very good to me very kind um, I, they asked me a few questions and I said look I need to go to the Mercy because they have my records and they took me to the Mercy I arrived in the Mercy there was a team waiting for me when I arrived um, um, a surgeon got out of bed uh, that had just went off duty and came into me uh, examined me and straight away he said it to me Dennis this is very very serious um, two things could happen um, you're coherent he said I said I am he said like he said you know we won't know till we go in and he said we'll do the very best for you and I said thank you sir and um, but in a matter of hours I was on the trolley for a while I didn't mind being on the trolley we'll do the best for you that's uh, kind of that's kind of Worrying. I know, no, but he meant it. He meant it more than that. He meant it more than that. That my abbreviation, I would have been a little bit incoherent. You know, he meant it more serious than that. That's what. No, I'm. I'm saying this. That's exactly what I'm saying. He he was telling you this is serious stuff. Oh yeah, and he was helping me, and he was helping me. He was helping me to deal with the situation. So I was on the trolley for a while, obviously, and uh, I was better on the trolley than at home on the sofa. All I had to do was put up my hand, and the nurse was there. So I was on the trolley. I was quite happy on the trolley because I knew I was in a safe place. How long? Well, oh, I'd say maybe three hours. All right. It was okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Nurses up, nurses up and down the ward holding your hand, you know, asking you okay and waiting for a bed for you. And that time came, so I got to bed, and then I was shifted down to theatre. Met a lovely nurse down there, and she told me, and she said there could be complications in us. She said, I'll say a prayer for you. Hopefully there won't be. So I went in, they opened me up, four and a half hours. Two surgeons working on me, plus a team. They saved the bowl. They saved the small bowl. They cleaned out the intestine. It was entangled. That could have done two things. I could have lost my bowl, which wouldn't be the worst. I'd end up with a bag. Or the, the hernia could have got strangulated, and I could have got a clot to the heart and dropped dead. So that's what I was left with. So my walk that day saved my life, and the hospital almost, the hospital done the rest. Yeah, well, this, now, they're, they're certainly the hospital saved your life, the surgeon, the nurse. Oh, 110%. 110%. 110%, 110%, 110%, 110%, 110% I'm, I'm delighted, and it's important that. to hear those stories, and fair play to everybody who was involved in your critical care. How and ever... You say that staff have to put up with some amount of abuse. Uh, unbelievable. Um, when I came around after two days of my operation, I was in surgical ward. Now, I don't want nurses walking around with black belts, but I think nurses should be trained in frontal assault. A restraining is a different thing. The security and the portals are good at that, but the portals also need to be trained. The nurses need to be trained in frontal assault, how to get out of the way, how to protect themselves. As I said, I don't want nurses, and nurses don't want to be trained in black belts. They just need to be protected. I've seen yoga trained nurses. I've seen guys pulling out um, um, needles out of their hands, blood going up into the air because they wouldn't get their own way. They wanted to go home. I heard verbal abuse, sexual abuse, uh, the worst of all is people coming into the ward, um, relatives, and demanding that doctors do this, that, and the other thing. I seen a Pakistan doctor, a man that had just come out of surgery, and removed a man's leg to neglected diabetes. 
being told that they didn't want to talk to him, they couldn't understand him, they wanted a white doctor. Oh, now, where do you go from there? Where do you go? Now, the one thing I did, what I did witness was appalling. I saw a pregnant nurse, six months pregnant, almost six months, I wouldn't say six months now, I could be a bit out on that, being shoved out of the way. When that happens, Neil, the, the hospital is like a conveyor belt, right? If the box in the front gets locked, everything stops. When you have antisocial behaviour in the ward, the trolley stop, people stop going down for uh, x-rays, everything stops. So oh, when something stops, kicks off like that, it impacts on... Yes, everything yeah, stops yeah. because everyone goes to the aid of the nurses and everybody else. The front, the, the front line staff were the nurses first. They get the worst of it. Then the, secur- then the porters arrive, the security arrive. They use restraining. And restraining is the right word, okay? The nurses are not trained that. They shouldn't be trained in that. They should be just trained in how do you avoid frontal assault. One took four hours to calm down. I had a man in the bed next to me. He put out his hand. He said, Dennis, please don't leave the ward. I couldn't leave anywhere. I was too sick. But he said, please don't leave me. This man is going to kill us. This guy was from County Cork. I, I don't I want to know details, to be honest with you, obviously. No, I won't give it. I won't but, give but, it. But, but you, can, you can tell me what happened without identifying the individual. Yes, what did happen? He was, 50, he was 55 years of age. He came in. He was very sick when he came in. He recovered after good, good, good care. Um, after the good care, he came around. He wanted to go home. They were trying to explain to him you couldn't go home. You're on, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're on monitors and all this. He wanted to go home to his buddies drinking, obviously, or something. You don't know that um, though. Let's just co- stick to he, the he facts. Was co- he was coherent. He was coherent, and then he started up. He banged the table, shouted and roared, pulled the needles out of his hand. Blood poured up into the ceiling. Told him f off, move out of the way. Shoved the nurses out of the way, made his way to the corridor. Actually, actually so this is this is this is hands on pushing out of the way. Oh yeah, out of the way. Oh no, 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 no. He doesn't care who's there. These people in the ward are suffering from, uh, are just recovering from surgery. They're waiting on their medication. Oh, the medication is held up. Right. So where do we go from there? So now the conveyor belt stops. He's out in the hall, shouting and roaring abuse at the nurses. They're trying to contact his wife. She's not answering the phone. To come in and try and calm him down. Then the, the doctors that were on duty. At 3 o'clock in the morning, had to get up out of bed and come in to try and calm him down. So there's a team around him of about 15 people trying to calm him down while he's still trying to make his way to the street to get home. Right? Demanding. That's the one case. Another scenario, guy comes in, um, the, the operation couldn't be done at Tralee. He had a life-saving operation here in Cork. They saved his life. After recuperation, he gets it into his head. He wants to go back home. He bangs the table, tells the nurse off, throws, throws the yoga letter. Totally inappropriate behaviour. The nurse has to would deal with that. Would it be on, not that it's an excuse though, but would it be on some kind of medication that would lead them to be kind no, of no, 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 out of no, sorts? No, no. In some cases, yes. I can understand the young man coming in on drugs and drink. We understand that. The nurses, uh, the nurses understand that. They're geared for that. These are people that are coherent. They just want their own way. They want their own way. They want to do it their way. They want to put the, do- the, the doctor in the bed and they want to be the patient. Uh, or they want to be the doctor and the doctor the patient. They know best for them. They're not taking the instructions from the hospital. My recovery is ahead. I have to go back in for a second operation. It's ahead basically because I've done what they told me. Yeah. If you do what they tell you, you won't go wrong. These so, are professional people. So, Look, Neil, I'd say this, Neil, I'd say this with all honesty, right? They, 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 I want to get this out there. There are seven days a week operations are going on in the Mercy. I want to get rid of this myth that consultants are over in Glandor having wine and having caviar. If they are, I'll pay for it to deserve it. They're not. They're in the wards. I've been called out. You said there's an urban myth the surgeons are in Kinsale playing golf yes, and drinking all coffee. all this kind of thing. And if, and if they are, they're entitled to it because they're saving people's lives. They're doing amputations every day of the week. I was in one ward where we had a man from Tipperary 
with a man from Waterford, we had two from West Cork, one from North Cork, because their hospitals didn't have the people to do the work, so they sent them to Cork to the specialists. All the specialists are in the Mercy and maybe other hospitals. They are the cream of the man. They don't mess about. They'll tell you, they'll help you. They're there for you to recover. They're your best. You, what they want for you is you come in as a skeleton. They want you going out with meat in your bones. Yeah. They want you better. That's well, important that we hear these stories. But do you also had issues with family members who you said should be prosecuted yes, if yes. they're abusive to staff? I, no. I, I made an inquiry through a girl I knew in the office not breaking her anonymity. I asked her, was anybody ever prosecuted for antisocial behaviour? She said, no. Were they were brought to the courts? No. Why? Management hasn't pushed us. No deterrent. These people need to be brought to court when they recover and they need to be summoned. But aren't there, need to be but aren't there signs up in the hospital saying, you know, that it will the signs, in. the signs are like in a car park, Neil. We're not responsible if your car is broken into. They're not reenacted. They're there, but they're only there. They, they, they don't work. The only thing that would work, Neil, is a summons. When these people recover, because all the, the doctors don't want to be putting any stress on anybody, when they recover, they need to be reminded of what they've done. But I'm talking, about the, fam- the, no, I'm talking about the family members, because certainly in other oh, countries, they're, they're, you would like look some at... Some of those people... No, Neil, I, Neil, I'll be honest with you. You get a menu of it. Life starts at 6 o'clock in the morning, right? Your blood pressure is taking. Consultants around at 8 o'clock. You get a menu. You get a lovely breakfast. You get a lovely lunch. You get a lovely tea and you get a nightcap. Your, the television is switched off at half past nine. Other people have mobile phones. The buddies are ringing them from the pub. They're waking up patients in a recovery unit. Where do you go from there? Yeah, I know. The nurses come in and ask them to turn off the phones and to turn mind their own in business. Really? No, you heard that? A recovery ward from you heard that? You this heard is that. a recovery ward from surgery. You heard that? Surgery, serious surgery. You heard that? Was a ma- oh, yeah. There was a man next to me in the bed. He had his leg removed. He was in chronic pain, but they were giving them, doing everything in their power. You know, they, 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 look, Neil, I can't quantify what they do up there. I know other people might come on and have different views they're entitled to it. I'm only giving my opinion. Oh, well, listen, I'm, I'm not only interested in the negative, don't get me wrong, but I think people have an are option. You never, an... Are you never war. You never war. I always told you as a fair No, man. I'm just saying that, you but at are. the same time, I think people should be allowed to tell their own individual stories. However, I do not censor those like your good self who have other types of stories to tell. You have staff then clearly going home upset, probably crying in the car park, possibly suffering from the likes of PTSD from an attack from a patient or a family member. Uh, and make no mistake about it, but you see, they're very resilient. They're resilient people. They, you see, it's all back to care again. That guy that carried out that atrocity up there, what I call it atrocity, it's probably a very big word, but I'll use it, um, he was still cared for. No one didn't go to his bed. They still cared for him after. Yeah. When he calmed down. Yeah. You know, so like, their, their whole primary purpose is care. Yeah. It's a holistic approach. All right. You have to go along with what they want. Like, at night, when the cleaners are gone, if they're at the, the bathrooms or toilets, the nurses clean it. I've seen them do it. You know, they come over, they check. They check everything. They don't leave nothing. When they come over with the medicine chest, if they're interrupted, and they can be interrupted, there's a sign there, please do not interrupt the nurses. They are coming around giving out medication. Can I have a pigeon nurse? You know what I mean? Some of these fellas can get out of bed. They're just too bloody lazy. And the nurse then has to, that nurse can't do that. She has to go for another nurse because they have to lock the cabinet. This is medication given to patients. They can't afford to give the wrong I understand. I mean, I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. That in the world we live in now, people, some people, unfortunately, more and more, become more angry, more impatient, more demanding, 
and more rude. I'm, I'm, I'm caught for time, but are, are you, have, you, have you told your whole story at this stage, or do you wish to have another no, opportunity? No, I'm, t- I'm, only, I'm, only t- I'm only at the tip of the iceberg, Neil, because okay. as I recovered... Okay, ho- hold, hold on then. My sincerest yeah. thanks to you, but I'm going to come back to you after 10. Text 0868104106. I hope you can hold on, Dennis, because I don't mean to cut you off. Back after the... The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. Like one thing is for sure, um, I think I can say this without fear of contradiction. Um, this would not be tolerated uh, in, and say, just tip, a typical example, in a New York hospital. There are lots and lots of police officers in America and lots in New York. Um, I'm not talking about their caliber of work or anything like that, but say in Manhattan alone, uh, you could have 15, 20,000 uh, members uh, of the of the police and they would be called straight away to a hospital and you'd be arrested um, if you were a family member that was pushing or shouting or throwing things or in any way uh, coming they just pick up the phone call the cops and you'd be just taken away you'd just be handcuffed and gone there wouldn't be any kind of chatting or trying to talk you down it would be entirely different um, that's the way it would happen but let me just let me just finish w- with Dennis just to give him an opportunity to finish the conversation because he did say he has more to say and I certainly can't be in- accused of not being balanced on this because he is very 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 complimentary to all those that were involved in his care um, but very critical of some patients and indeed family members. So Dennis, just to, to finish up rather than leave anything out, go ahead. Well, when, when it comes into recovery, right, they're getting you up out of bed and for the first, first day or two, the assistants and the nurses, they're learning you how to walk again, get the circulation going. Now, you have people then complaining about the special socks that they put on to stop clotting. They want them taken off, some of them. Uh, that's not possible because if you get clotting, you see, this is what happens. They're, they're a contradiction of terms, some of the patients, not all. Some of them are very good. But you'll have the ones that are complaining about this, the, the elastic stockings. They're not nice, nobody likes them, but they're there for a reason. So they get you back up and they get you walking, right? So then they give you a program, and then when you're fit enough to do a little bit yourself, they let you off. People would rather sit in the bed with a book. They'd bring, you know, and they won't get up, they won't do the exercise. The nurses are down, come on, lads, come on, come on. You know, trying to encourage them. It's all about encouragement up there. There's nothing compulsory. It's all encouragement. There's not, you're not being forced you're, you're being taken care of. They know what's good for you. So a guy would rather read a book than walk up the hall and do what he's supposed to do. My recovery is a few days ahead, and I'm not saying I'm a good guy, and I'm a special guy. I'm not. I'm just an ordinary man. I'm not here for notoriety. I've done what they told me. I'm at home now, but I'm going back in. Um, I don't. I didn't want the second operation, but I know it's the best thing for me because they know what's best. Mm. I would have rather been all finished in one, but it was impossible. Yeah. What they done, they done. They reckon it was one of the, the four and a half hours um, hernia operation it was the longest time in the history of the hospital. So um, I'm nothing special because of that either. It was just true neglect on my behalf. Um, so the point about it was that um, they, they want to get you up walking. They want to get you mobile. Very important some after surgery or some, t- some, yes. some operations. Yeah. Movement's important. Too. Oh, yeah. Like some patients, you want the nurse to bed 24-7. Pigeon this, that, 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 that. Breakfast comes down, ah, oh, the part of the heart will this, that, that. You know, all ridiculous stuff, all holding up the, st- all holding up the system. Uh, you know, complain, complain, complain. Some people are bored in that way. They can't help it. They're mm. negative. Mm. You know, in hospital, they treat you to be positive. They try and help you. Okay. I was in hospital. I got the bad. I got the bad news that Sheila Dunn had been killed in a car crash. Yeah. 
Um, the nurses came to me. They knew I was upset. I knew Ted Dunn. God be good to him. Yeah. And his, his, he died three years ago. Mm. Sheila was killed. And why I knew Sheila was with the Rainbow Club, where I worked as a manager of the centre. And she'd done great volunteer work. She so you were upset. Yeah, we were all upset. To I was upset. And they, and they came that. to me. And they, and they came to me. And they came to me. And they said, Dennis, you know, we know this is a very tough time for you and your recovery. And um, if there's anything we can do to, to alleviate that, we will. They pulled the curtain. They gave me some time on my own. They brought me down a spiritual book of uh, spiritual warnings to, to help me to heal and to understand, and I was very, very um, aware of that. Um, in certain cases where I, I had no mobile phone because I was shifted by ambulance, they left people in to see me because people were worried where I was. Mm. And when they found out where I was, they came, so they left them in for a few minutes. And everything was done possible for me as a patient. Lovely. Lovely. Um, as I said, Neil, I cannot quantify, and when I leave you on this one, um, the Mercy Hospital to me saved my life and saved the life of many more. Well, I can car- I guarantee you the staff, so. the staff of the Mercy will be so glad that you came on air to share that. You shared so much. We certainly know that in any kind of a setting where people gather, and it's not exclusive to hospitals, uh, but in your case, you meet all walks of life in there, don't you? You really do. You really do. Unbe- unbelievable. Okay. On, on, while I was up there, there was very prominent okay. people there, and they reasoned the war there because they know the likes of Mr. Reardon and all these uh, specialists are there, and they're there for you. Okay. I'll I, I leave you on this one, Neil, right? Yeah. On Sunday morning, I was sitting up in bed. The curtain was drawn. The surgeon came in. Um, the understudy. I said, Doctor, you were six days on this week. Why are you here this morning? Just to the dog. He said, I came in to see you. I was concerned about you. Are you okay? I wow. said, Doctor, you're on your day off. Enjoy it with your family. Hey, Dr. Ahmed. Right, he said, no, no, no. He said, I came in to see how you were doing. He said, thank you very much. He said, look, I'll talk to you on Monday morning, Dennis. Have a lovely weekend. I said the same to you, Doctor. Great commitment. No. Great commitment. Is, 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 that, is, is that man on the yacht sipping wine? No, he was concerned about me as a patient. Yeah. Came in to see me on the Sunday morning after being on a six-day shift. Yeah. No, he yeah. was on a six-day no, shift. No, I know. I know. So look, Neil, all I would say to all, all I would say to the public out there, please, when you visit hospitals, watch your behaviour. I would say to the management in the hospitals, please wake up, get to the root problem. Hikra, don't be looking for dust. Talk to the nurses. Don't be in there saying there's a knob missing off the door. There's a shower block. They're all being dealt with. That doesn't go unnoticed. Deal with the root problem. Help your nurses to deal with this onslaught of antisocial behaviour. Get rid of it. Get rid of the root. People visiting the hospital have respect for the hospital staff. Whether they're white, black, coca, it doesn't matter. They're there to save lives. Respect them. Sa- they could be saving your life tomorrow. Don't so you heard somebody saying, I want tonight an Irish doctor, I want a white doctor. Yeah, that's still I can't, exists, underst- I can't okay. understand what you're talking about. That man was had to come down to an operating theatre after a man having his leg off through diabetes. And they turned around and said that to him. And he's a lovely man. And he's a caring man. And he's but a what do you, what do you say? No, you, you clearly shouldn't say that. But what if a family member is concerned and they can't understand what's being said. Oh, I can understand that. That's why which is really it's it's a better way of doing you, you, it. Yeah. You, oh, definitely. You can go to the reception and ask to see someone else. That would be good to be able to. That doctor will pull back okay. and he'll allow you that. You know, he's not saying I'm the only voice in the hospital. He's just giving his opinion. Yeah. Don't, don't cut the man off with with, with um, uh, unsavory language. No, I understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying. So, okay. look, look Thanks, all I just say to you, thank you, t- thank you very much. Okay. Have a lovely weekend. You and as usual, I love your show. I love your show. Thanks Keep so much. Take care, take care, take Bye. care. Thank you, Dennis. Dennis Coffey. Text 0868104106. I don't know whether this is a call, perhaps later on, but if a family member who's a nurse in the CUH, we encouraged her to leave and become an an agency nurse so she could manage her own workload because management cannot and are unable to run 
the workings of the hospital. I have a request in for the chief executive of the CUH, not not in any way kind of a confrontational confrontational kind of a conversation with the chief executive, but I'm curious to know, you know, how are they dealing, particularly in a time of extra, extra pressure with the, um, you know, the embargo. I'd love to just, you know, have a, have a sit down on air with the uh, CE, just to how the CR they're managing or what they regard as being the challenges in places like the CUH. If it happens, it happens. I'll have to wait and see. Um, anyway, Shiju, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? Thanks for holding. Um, you, Ireland's been your home now for 23 years, but you oh, you always go back to India for your medical needs. Is that right? Well, that's right. Yeah, yeah. We always travel to home, like you say, um, like we consider it as a family trip, you know, to see our parents and our uh, brothers and sisters, you know, during that time. We use uh, that opportunity, you know, exactly to do look after our medical needs because, you know, the long, uh, the long, long, uh, never-ending waiting list in this, uh, in this such a small country, you know, and that's what we normally used to do. Okay. Do you work within uh, a hospital setting or in any kind of medical environment here? I am, yeah. I'm a nurse actually working here uh, in Cork and um, I'm here. I came in, I came into this country as a, a nurse and I'm still working as a nurse okay. um, in, in, in a hospital here in Cork, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, how, how, how are you coping in, in the job? Well, uh, I, as a, the, thankfully, I must say, actually, I, I came out to a public sector uh, when I started my career in Ireland. Uh, but I know I work in actually private sector, so you know it's a much more um, efficient, I must say, and we do a better career in a private sector compared to a public sector. You know, I must I must say that. When you say private sector, I don't mean to overly pry. You're talking about a private hospital. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, so it's it's yeah, but. There's, there's no there's no real difference now with regards to waiting lists or trying to get an appointment or even trying to get into a private hospital now. Yeah. Which is very true, which is very true. And I, I certainly agree with that, actually, because um, I, I know that myself, actually, I have been waiting actually for uh, some procedures for myself in a private sector, still in the waiting list are actually heavy. So that's why, you know, we consider actually, look, there's no point actually waiting in here, actually, you know, until the things get worse. No, yeah, Better, no, you know, it's, 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 it's not a case now anymore that, oh, I have VHI or I have Le- Leia, I'm okay, I'll be seen. Not, you'll be seen, all right, but no. you'll be waiting a long, long time even with your VHI or Leia. And why then is it so efficient back home in Kerala? In India, uh, because it's, because you see that the, the manpower is actually the main thing back in home. You know, we have a, a population of over 1.4 billion, and we have a huge manpower resources actually back in India. You know, and uh, it is more efficiently we can do the work more carried out in the private sector. Now there are two different health systems back in home too. Like it's like a public sector or a private sector. They both work efficiently because the, the what comes ultimately the money matters also there. You know, they, when they get the business, uh, and that's the way it works. So the employees need to work harder, um, and that will be monitored very closely by the authorities. You know, their superiors okay. or the senior officers. And that's so it's more efficient uh, over there with the more manpower, which is actually a kind of not. Not in here, you know. But are, are the rates, you know, okay, there's more people living in India, of course there are, but nearly a billion, nearly a billion people, I think, isn't it? 1.4 billion, yeah. <laughs> 1.4 billion people in India. But the, the rates of pay probably leave a lot to be desired, do they? 
payments that the, the employee pay me, you mean? Then. Yeah, yeah. And well, of course, yeah, of course, actually, because it, there is more workforce there, you know, so it's easy to uh, easy to obtain the workforce, you know. They can they can recruit more people uh, in order to to complete the job. And I heard that actually this um, your uh, recent uh, show, uh, Sheila was talking about. You know the how they the how efficiently she was actually managed. You know in in a hospital in India when yeah. she travelled for her surgery. So you can see the difference. Actually, you would hardly see. A nurse actually here in in a public hospital when you are as a patient, but actually on the other hand, that Sheila, that lovely lady, she got two nurses staying with her actually in her room. You know, she was mentioning in a that. private hospital so, in India, which her in son sorted out for. Yes, her. Yeah, 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 yeah. So certainly, you know, the care is better because you know you have more manpower there, and certainly staffing is actually an an issue there. You know. Okay, and in in your time in either the public or the private hospital, because you are of from a different nation. Um, Dennis was talking about some of the verbal abuse that people had to put up with. Did you ever suffer any verbal abuse or uh, any any kind of racist comment while you worked in Irish hospitals? Well, not particularly, you know. But sometimes you you face sometimes you know some uh, elder uh, or older generation people may ask you know or oh, if there's any other uh, nurses available. So they doesn't particularly mention that you know you are uh, by looking at your color or looking at the skin. You know, they just actually maybe they they just want a different person. You know, sometimes sometimes you know you would experience, but not. But that is, but that's way, got like, to be upsetting if they're asking for somebody else who has the same qualification as you to tend them they do they yeah we do like we do sometimes get upset with it but we try to you know um, explain that you know look we are also qualified person if he said in any other way we can help you and it will be the same way you know uh, and another person will be look after you so some you know like you do experience Neil you know because people are different and you know you do you do get uh, those kind of um, you know, yeah. you will end up with a conversation like that at yeah. some time. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. okay, thanks for taking the call. Appreciate you listening. Have a good one. That's Shizhu. Much obliged to you. Text 0868104106. Uh, calls on the way. Let me just uh, take an hour break. Come back with calls and text next. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Listen, uh, I see about eight, maybe ten, maybe a little bit more text coming in regarding the court appearance uh, yesterday of a man who um, uh, made admissions uh, to Gardaí regarding the fires at different locations in Cork City. Um, it's not that I'm avoiding this topic, but the text that I got, I, I, I'd only have to be able to pick out words here and there because I can't do anything with regards to reading out texts like the ones that have been said regarding the, the, the man, where he's from, the request for, you know, mental health intervention, psychiatric treatment. I can't deal with any of those because I could be found in contempt. I'm not, this is not me backing out with the, with the, you know, and, 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 and shirking it or, or, or funking it. I just can't because this could be brought up in court as, as to uh, the man's defence. So I can't, I can't do that. Um, if, if, if there's more information that we hear of through court appearances that makes it entirely different um, I, I am acknowledging though that I've got a lot and people are very very angry about different aspects of this story 
um, but I can't touch it. Um, there's even people talking about, I don't understand 100% as to why there could be two different legal aid solicitors. I'm assuming that this is not an issue because if it were, the judge would have picked up on it. If it's because there are five different locations and you need more than one solicitor, I'm thinking that's the reason why that you would have two different legal aids. I don't know, but I'm assuming that's the reason for it. Uh, but anyway, I just want to acknowledge the texts. Um, I will hold on to them. Uh, if anything changes, there's an update. We can discuss it in further detail. But for now, you know, aspects about where where this man is from or why he's here, and can't go there. Um, it's it's just I legally can't go there. There are a lot of other texts on different topics, then up to and including. Um, I love I love the ones that are coming in with regards to people and their first gigs, because uh, there's just a quick one here. That says the Hollies, the Who. Uh, both played Cork, the Ivy League and a great group called Unit 4 Plus 2. They had a big hit actually that was number one with a song called Concrete and Clay. And then um, a couple of different ones regarding uh, hospital treatment. My dad was in the CUH over Christmas. He was on Ward 1B. The care he got was amazing. I went up there every day and every time I was there there was a lovely man who used to come in and mop the floors and wipe down the walls. My dad said he used to come in a few times a day. Um, and it's important to hear the positive ones. Not all of them are, though. Uh, I had an elderly parent in hospital and often went in to see the alarm bell pulled out from the socket over the bed. My parent didn't do it as they weren't able to get out of the bed. It's very sad that people have been treated like that. Having their alarm bells, as an example, disconnected. People never think that one day they'll be elderly too or wonder what kind of people will be there to help them when they themselves need help and care. Uh, anything could happen, actually, with a patient whose alarm bell has been disconnected, incidentally. But back to the phone lines. Bree, good morning. Good morning. Hi, hi, hi Neil. Thank you. Yes, I did see the text of, yeah. um, you know, uh, I'm assuming your family member is okay for you to chat, so do share. This family member yes. was uh, a CUH nurse. Yes, indeed. And uh, I suppose... You know, listening to Dennis there earlier this morning, it's great to hear uh, the, the more positive side of the work that's being done by these um, people in the front line, you know. And sometimes I know people do appreciate it, but um, they're, they're subjected to the frustration of the public, really. Um, and like they are medical people and they're not, they're carers of the people. Um, but my daughter would have worked through the COVID, um, would have... Um, you know, sadly held the phone to people's ears while they were uh, saying goodbye to their loved ones. And, you know, it was very difficult to hear her say all of this. Um, And then at the end of it, she, you know, she was left quite, I suppose, distraught. Uh, She's a young girl. She was a young girl at the time, 24. Um, So I just suggested that she take some time out, um, which she did. And she went travelling for six months. Mm. But um, what I want to highlight is the disconnect between all of the different departments within the hospital system. So in other words, she did her training through UCC um, in CUH and um, she was there from about 18 until maybe 25 when she went on this six-month break. Um, Now she had gone to London briefly and she returned for the call for the COVID. I remember it, yeah. yeah. Come home, we need Mm. you. Yes, yes. So she did that. Um, But following, like I said, um, I kind of advised her to take some time out because she was tired. And um, I suppose maybe more mentally tired than anything. And um, so she went off. But when she came back, she had to reapply to the hospital and it took three months to get back into 
the um, hospital, um, even though she had trained there and worked for five years as a qualified nurse in the system. Um, she was then put into a department which she didn't kind of desire to be in. And um, so I advised her uh, just recently um, to to get into an agency and be the system essentially in that she could step out and then get back into the department which she wishes to work in um, through the agency and that's what she's doing at the moment. Um, but I just wanted to highlight the fact, you know, of the disconnect in the system between the different departments and as in, know, as in, oh, she was here before. We'd be happy to have, have her back. Let's expedite that and make it happen quick. Yeah. But if she was, yeah, if like she came not, back now, though, if your daughter came back now from the six months travelling, a fully trained nurse, well capable, she wouldn't be, she wouldn't be able to get a job in the CUH. She probably wouldn't. No, no, she wouldn't. She'd have to go to an agency yeah. to get the job in the CUH. Yes, yes, and like, but it's you know, you said there we've been talking about this for five or ten years and more, and you know, it seems to have. Like, what has happened? Well, the last time that I did anything kind of significant in this regard had to do with the Mercy Hospital and certainly the geriatric care within the Mercy. It was alarming, the stories I was hearing then. I don't know if it's improved because of that light being shone upon it. I hope so. Mm. But certainly my experience in the past is that nothing changes. It just gets worse. I dare say I agree with you because, you know, we are listening to political jargon at this stage you know the, the, the latest buzz sentence seems to be let me be perfectly clear you know and we're hearing all this terminology coming from these you know ministers and these high rating civil servants or whatever in the HSC and you know quite frankly um, they might think we're thick but we're not stupid we do see what's going on it's just the fact that we have no voice. Our and voice has been taken away from us. Well said. Just one final question for you. The, what about the rates of pay and entitlements going through agency work? Is it any better or worse than okay. direct employment? No, it's very similar, actually. And, of course, she loses all her entitlements. So, I mean, she is going to have to go into the system again um, because, fundamentally, she was a born nurse. She loves the job. To answer your question, uh, she will lose her benefits, her sick pay, pension, etc., so she will have no choice but yeah. to go back into the system. Um, she doesn't want to go abroad. Um, she wants to make a life here. Um, but, you know, I work with Americans. I work in a different industry. And um, nurses in the States are paid, in some cases, more than doctors. You know, there is just such a lack of respect for our nursing community and our frontline community. And, you know, mm-hmm. to be physically and uh, verbally abused and not supported by management. You know, this disconnect between management and frontline staff is causing a huge amount of problems. I can understand understand family members of patients who see their loved one fading away or not getting the treatment that they Mm. feel they're entitled to, and they get very panicky Mm. and they get very worried and anxious and stressed. Um, And and then, unfortunately, that spills over to anger uh, and rudeness Mm. and, you know... I know, and I suppose society has changed since we've become more modernised and industrialised in that there seems to be a a lack of respect towards others. Well, you see, we're teaching generations now to speak up for yourself um, and and do not accept, but it can can spill into into dangerous situations where it's abuse or it's physical or verbal abuse. Yes, and then you can't, you can't, (laughs) 
you can't uh, tell someone to stop almost because then they can sue you for maybe you know it's gone all so confusing and paperwork and terminology now at this stage um, yeah, but maybe the CUH you know, maybe the CUHR to Mercy or somebody should prosecute a family member um, it wouldn't be long then marking other people's cards knowing made a very good point I thought he made a very good point he was he spoke very well I agreed with nearly everything with everything he said he was a wonderful speaker and he had a great point in that you know again before I leave you it's a, the lack of accountability the lack of respect and the disconnect the disconnect between um, management governance and the actual system um, needs to be highlighted and my question is who is pushing the buttons in this who is pulling all the strings in this who is it the HSE is it like where, where who can be held accountable for all of this who because knows, who knows? We, we were all the people who worked for hardly nothing in the 80s to build this country you know and we're here now afraid uh, for our safety when we'll be you know we're getting older um, you know we may not have been from the educated class but we worked and we built the country and now here we are you know kind of afraid uh, and, and, and and really there are people who you know certainly hearing the stories of me here in the last few days would be very apprehensive of old age and uh, things breaking down on them Indeed. and needing hospital care yeah, yeah for sure yeah. okay thanks Breed yeah. appreciate that to answer perhaps your question who's responsible Minister for Health any given Minister for Health in this case it's, it's Stephen Donnelly uh, text 0868 uh, sad news if you're a fan of uh, David Myers of the Harry Bikers one half of the TV cooking duo he's died at the age of 66 just been announced two years ago he revealed he been diagnosed with uh, cancer. He found fame, um, uh, you know, over 20 years ago. Very, very popular duo, the bearded pair, known for travelling around the UK and the world on their motorbikes, sampling and cooking food from different regions in different scenarios. So his death was announced this morning. David Myers at the age of 66. Text 0868-104-106. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Good, my man. Just picking up on some conversations recently. Are you, are you talking about waste, financial waste? Financial waste. I live here below in Mahan, and at the moment they've cut 50-odd trees down. They're digging up roads to put in a cycle lane. We had a meeting a couple of weeks ago about this, and of 100-odd people at the meeting, there was one person cycled. So everyone down here was it, was it a daytime moving. meeting or was it pitch dark when the meeting happened or what it was pitch dark it was in the evening yeah but like there was only one person cycled right yeah. they've taken away they've taken away all the parking around the ring of uh, ring nine road the church the the graveyard all the plane pitches on any given weekend day, there's 100 to 150 cars parked up for Gaelic, soccer, rugby. Where are all they going to go? No well, well they, parked on, they parked on the side of the roads in the past, didn't they? Yes. Yeah. And they still can, except that they're now putting cycle lanes in and they won't be able to park there. And tell me, you, you yes. referenced St. Michael's Cemetery there, the spaces outside yeah. it, are, are, they go- are they going? They're going. So, like, we had a meeting... And, Where's somebody uh, who wants to visit a graveyard and has to drive long distances to see the grave and visit the grave of a loved one? Are they supposed to cycle, is it? 
Yes. That's about it. That's what it looks like. Everyone's going to have to cycle down to Mahon to go in and see the graves. Everyone that wants to play a soccer match, a Gaelic match or anything, will have to see, will have to cycle down because they won't be able to drive down or they can drive down be dropped off and someone go away. It, it's totally ridiculous. We had Terry Shannon, God bless him, at the meeting stating that he wasn't leave 12 million out of nothing. No, he didn't say God rest him, he said God bless him. Yeah. Well, God bless him. Yeah. But he said he wasn't leaving 12 million out of Mahan. For a million, so 12 million euro, is it? Yeah. Is this the cost this of the cycle lanes? Yes. Yeah, no. No. So it's costing 12 million to extend, because there already are cycle lanes in Mahan. Is it? Because I've often yes, cycled them. You run out of them ultimately. But they're now bringing them out into the main roads. Right. They won't be, no one will be able to park there. Anyone that's living on the main roads, they, they have families now, uh, with two or three kids. Maybe, Santa, maybe Santa Claus, maybe Santa Claus is bringing bikes for all those kids to use the cycle lanes. Cycle they're school. also, if, I, if I'm right, that uh, Avenue de Rennes, uh, Traffic and only buses will barely get up and down. Right? There'll be barriers like in town blocking off all the clubs. Maybe I know I know road. I know I know that many people and I also have said in the past believe that there's a blight, an absolute blight of cycle lanes all over the damn place and nobody using them. But but maybe in time with a bit of encouragement we'll have children cycling all the way from home to school and back safely, so we won't be clogging up all of the roads with parents at least twice a day dropping off and picking up all of these kids to primary and secondary schools that'll be great that'll be fantastic I walk to school myself same as yourself yeah but you know, well I didn't actually I, I cycled an awful lot but it was there yeah, was a lot less traffic on the road then you know it's a different world now but yeah. do, maybe maybe Everyone we want people yeah and, and is that's, it, is that's it. What stops people? Is it the. Is, yeah, I mean, I'm a seasonal cyclist. I don't go out when it's raining and I don't mind the cold, but I certainly don't go out when it's wet. There's no pleasure in that. So, apart from our climate, that's the big. That's what's really holding us back regarding bikes and cycling There's and getting out. Us back. What's holding us back is this government putting in cycle lanes where no one wants them. The only one that wants them is Ryan himself. So, look, God bless him. Put her somewhere else. We don't want it here in Mahan. There's so it's Mahan, Mahan says no to bicycles and cycling lanes. Mahan says no to stupidity. <laughs> this money could be spent. This money could be spent in CUH to get more staff in. It could be spent in building housing. A cycling lane? Oh, God. And are you no. accurate? Are you just finally before I let you go? Are you accurate about the figure of did Terry Shannon say that he wasn't going to leave twelve million euro on the table? You, you wanted. Well, my hearing has gone worse than what it is. That's well, what he stood up and said. I was not going to leave twelve million. Leave, man. But like we never got consulted about it. We were told we were consulted, but I didn't see anything. Twelve million. That's my insane. Local, my local shop. Ringman stores were told that they had their, there was a sign put up in their shop. They don't know. They've never seen it. She showed them a photograph I held 
of the sign-up. Yeah, but you see, they wouldn't want to send a pamphlet in or send in a a brochure into every single home in the area. They wouldn't want people to know. Because because it would be too sensible for them to do it that way. Ah, we put a sign-up in the shop. You're right, you're right. Now, all the trees are cut down that have been growing there over the last 50 years are all have to be cut down and I was upset about that and I was saying, fuck's sake, we can't say no, but as my daughter said to me, Dad, that's before March because in March, the birds will be in, the nets will be there and they won't be able to do nothing. So they got in before the start of March and cut all the trees down. You know, it's ridiculous. All right, okay. Let's get another calls on that one. Text story six eight one zero four one zero six. I don't think it's anything necessarily exclusive to Mahan uh, cycle lanes, nor is the the wanton damage that's being done uh, with regards to bus connects to many different estates and indeed suburbs of our, our fair city. I was in I was in town yesterday. Actually, I was up in court. You know, the way you have to sign when you go through probate and everything. I must say, I must say, they have an incredibly efficient system up at Cork Courthouse. I was never in that courthouse apart from, um, you know, in the, in, in the actual body of the court from time to time regarding work or, you know, went through court suing for possession of my house way back in the day. But down underground, down underground, there is a whole network of different departments and areas that I knew nothing about and each one of them is working away, keeping the system going. But um, a nice old stroll around the city then afterwards, kind of a bit weird to be walking around town on a weekday, but there you were nonetheless, went into the English market and bought a bit of sourdough bread, took it home and toasted it. But a uh, nice old buzz around. It's really weird because I drove into town yesterday, which I thought was bizarre. I've never done it a, on a weekday morning in years and years. So I was in town for about, I'd say it was 25 past eight, there thereabouts, and there was loads of parking. Loads of parking. And if you've got Park Magic or if you've got Park by phone, I just drove, took a hook, hooked it right there on Parliament Bridge, went down Morrison's Quay, and I had a choice of parking spaces at half past eight in the morning. Um, I just thought it was a bit weird. You know, I thought that at that stage I'd be going in paying 3.40 an hour inside in Kew Park. I don't know. Back after the break. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Uh, just a few texts then on the state of our health uh, system in Ireland. And I will come back to this again in the future. I broke my wrist in November. I'm still waiting on surgery to get it fixed. I was told two months, but I'm still out of work and still had zero appointment. So you're just walking around with a broken wrist, of course. And uh, you have to worry about how that's mending. All wrong, I'm sure. I used to work in the CUH. The problem up there are unions, unions, unions. The strategy from the government is to embargo everything because so many people are entrenched up there. Minister after minister can change it. Uh, When change is being initiated, the unions are called in and they dig their heels in against change. Well, there's an embargo on hiring uh, within the HSC. I didn't see the unions dig their heels in there. You were chatting the other day with Phil. Yes, Phil is a regular contributor to the programme. You know her voice well. Uh, she's a lovely lady. I just caught the end of the lady speaking with Neil um, and she doesn't go out or doesn't do any shopping or isn't eating any food or perhaps she's not able to make food. My colleague and I will gladly get the food for her drop some fresh food weekly. We're both guardie, so we're vetted and we have security clearance if that would be a concern. I know that Phil is listening and does every morning. If that's something she would like to um, um, pick up on, then I'm sure she'll come back to me. I don't know whether I ever asked Phil as to whether she would like to avail of um, um, Meals on Wheels because that's available as well. I don't think she just has the will to actually eat, to be honest with you. I worked in CUMH, CUMH years back. I was trained within the hospital and got hands-on experience. I've always been compassionate about the elderly. 
The most precious gift you can give them is your time, which I always did. Uh, the training I had from within the hospital as a healthcare assistant back then was 100% all about patience, as in the patient, I should say, empathy, compassion and ethics. Whereas now they go to college and they come out with papers saying they're qualified. They then go on power trips get assigned to hospital settings because they have this piece of paper saying they're qualified. Doesn't mean they're the best person for the job, though. I loved working in the CUMH, and I believe the hands-on old-school experience is imperative. Back then, I had no FETAC Level 5. I got trained on a day-to-day basis as a healthcare assistant on the job, um, and I had compassion for the elderly. Just because someone comes out of college doesn't mean that they're suited for the job. I go back in the morning, but I don't have this FETAC qualification, which to me is where everything falls short. Hands-on experience is always way better. Morning, there are no longer home helps. They're called health healthcare support assistance. That service is also in crisis. I had 21 calls to make in one day as a healthcare support assistant. 21 in one day. How in the name of God is that right? I'm working in the area for a number of decades, but my job has changed so much. It's got very clinical now and it lacks humanity now. I have 30 minutes with one person. I can't sit and have a chat with them and I can't give them their medication. I can only put the medication on the table. There's no humanity in my job anymore. Morning, Neil. I lived in Malta a couple of years for a couple of years and the health system is second to none. I went to private health care for the first year I was there, but went public the second and it was just as good. I remember my son had a pacemaker check in the hospital and when I went to uh, check in at reception, I hardly had my bum on the waiting room chair and we got called in to be seen. Somebody else who worked as a staff nurse in the CUH but left because of illness said management's the problem. They don't care about their own staff or their welfare, not to mind the patients. It is rotten from the top down. I've worked all over the world as a nurse. It was the worst I've ever been to uh, nursing settings in Ireland. I've been on a waiting list for two and a half years since June 2021 at the South Infirmary. I have a ruptured bicep. That's painful and has been for two and a half years. Nobody's taken a look at it. Uh, I worked as a care assistant in the community with the HSC. It would break my heart to work in an acute hospital. I've seen it with family. They're given pads when they're absolutely not needed, as in adult nappies. By wearing these pads when not needed, it makes the patient incontinent. It also promotes skin breakdown, bed sores, possible loss of limbs. It's absolutely disgusting what's going on in my job. Each home care recipient is assessed whether or not they need incontinence products. That's from earlier in the week when we we talked about um, pads or nappies being put on people because there aren't enough people to help them to the bathroom. It's not that they're incontinent. Uh, And there are many more. I will come back to them through the course of um, hopefully later this morning or indeed again tomorrow. Lines are open. Text 0868104106. But can I just jump, if you don't mind, um, and I'll pick up on this more after 11. I'm not leaving this topic of conversation, don't get me wrong. But for the day that is in it, uh, February 29th. We only have it once every four years. So I was reading this morning the story of somebody who is 52 years old today, but is actually only sharing their 13th birthday. Many people told Chloe, uh, year in, year out, ah, yeah, but it's not your real birthday. When's your real birthday? Well, it would be the 29th, but it only exists every four years. So technically, someone who's 52 today is actually technically in the true sense of the word, only celebrating their 13th birthday. But there are many different stories attached to a leap year and February 29th. It is actually also traditionally the day, apparently, that women, not that they 
shouldn't anyway, but women can actually do the proposing. And more and more are these days. But going back hundreds of years ago, they certainly wouldn't have been allowed to do that for sure. So with the, romant- with the romantic hat on, as the fella says, um, can I chat to Sandra, um, who's got... Uh, uh, the, the inside track on on uh, on weddings and wedding planning. Sandra, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are um, you? Forgive me. What what is your company name? I don't have it on the screen here. That's okay. It's called To Have and To Hold. To Have and To Hold Wedding Planning. We've spoken in the past, so we have. Yeah, we have. So, have. Um, would today be a popular day considering the love connection where women can propose? The they're called the leapers. We're not seeing an awful lot of it. I hate to bust the romance bubble, but it um, it's not really um, that trendy anymore. Um, was from it? What we're seeing. Was it? Was it was a it? trendy time to get married? Yeah, I think so. Uh, February was always a good month because you also had the other day of love, which was Valentine's. So always between Valentine's and let's say a leap year, if it was in that month or that year, you would, we would have seen, we're in business probably about 12 years now. So when I started, it would have been most popular, more popular than it is today. Now, saying that, we are hearing that there may be one or two proposals today, um, but no weddings on our books anyway. Uh, are you saying women proposing for the day that's in it? Women. Yeah. Women, yeah. yeah. We're aware of two women um, who would have been in and out to us um, for various things who are um, telling us on the grapevine that they're um, they're going to do the deed today. Okay, and, uh, they're, uh, and they're hopeful that they'll get a yes. It's like my father who used to always say, never ask a question unless you're sure of the answer. <laughs> so that's what I said to why them. Would, <laughs> why would somebody want to get married on February 29th when they would only have a wedding anniversary every four years? Maybe there's the cheapskate in them. There's that option. Um, but, <laughs> um, but also it might be easier to remember. You don't have to remember it every year. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I suppose, you know what, it's a trend. It's something fun to talk about. So let me about. ask you about it's trends then, because there, there's this yeah. one, of course, but there also would be, is there a trend to get married on Valentine's Day? Or do you akin that to getting married on April Fool's Day? Is it just gimmicky? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit gimmicky, but there are still people who are the, you know, true romantics and it, it's meaningful to them. So, uh, yeah, we had a wedding this year on Valentine's Day. Um, but, you know, trends have changed so much and, and customs and, you know, the world has moved on. And um, what we're seeing is that, you know, Sundays are popular for weddings. Bank holiday Mondays are popular for weddings. So kind of the rule book has been thrown out. But certainly the big romantic days, Valentine's Day in particular, still remains kind of an important one for love. Yeah, for love, but not for getting married. But if you get married on a Friday or Saturday, you pay top dollar for it. But if you get married on a Monday, say a bank holiday Monday or a Thursday, do you get a cheaper rate from the hotel? You do. Most of the hotels now will do some sort of a package for you for what they're calling kind of an off-peak. However, uh, it's it's important to note that most of these hotels still have a minimum number of guests that they would uh, want you to have, even if you are getting married on a a Thursday, let's say. But then there are others who will allow you to have any size wedding if you're getting married on, let's say, Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday. But if you get married on a Thursday in January, right? You're going to get, surely, a much cheaper wedding than you will on a Saturday in June. 100%. How much cheaper? Absolutely. 
Oh, it could be anything. It could be up to 20 or 30 percent. Again, depending on the numbers, depending on the hotel, depending on the package and depending on what it is you want. Um, You know, the venue is going to be the biggest spend for um, for most couples because you're you know, you have to buy uh, you're paying for food, you're paying for alcohol, you're paying for the venue, you're paying for rooms. So um, choosing the venue wisely is always a good start. And very very quickly, yeah, choosing the venue is vital, of course, but the time of the year can be very much dependent on how much money you have to spend. But just very finally on that, right? Uh, People are smarter now, aren't they? Talk to me about the sizes of the weddings or the things that people seem to be cutting back on. Yeah, it's changed a lot. So post-COVID, we had small weddings and then they've all grown bigger again. But still, the small wedding is still very important, particularly for older couples, where it's more intimate and, uh, you know, they're doing what they want. What we're seeing is there is a cutback on what we would have called kind of the key components of a wedding. Some choosing not to have a wedding cake or maybe choosing not to have a videographer. Yeah. Okay. well, the videographer, perhaps because you can do it yourself and get a family member to do it or do it on your phones. But yep. why would yep. you ditch a wedding cake? A lot of people just find they'd rather put the money into something else. They'd rather put it into the food or they'd rather put it into the bar. Um, they're just feeling that the wedding cake may not be for them. Um, and likewise with wedding invitations, a lot of invitations are now going online, evites. So it has changed and technology is probably part of the reason for that. Yeah, okay. Well, they have the courage to change and go against tradition and save some money on it. Um, And the average age, have you noticed a change in that? Yeah, what we're seeing, there's still a broad spectrum, to be honest, but it's probably around 30, you know, 29, 30, 31 for the guy and the girl. Um, What we're seeing now at the minute uh, kind of going into 2024 is that the lead time is a bit longer for weddings and I think that's down to the fact that couples now realise they'll have to save more money. What does that mean from the time when they decide to get married and actually get married that gap is getting longer? Yeah Yeah, but that could be sometimes that could be a year or two couldn't it? Yeah, what we're saying, the average is about 18 months now. Okay, okay. Where okay. it was shorter, was, it was under 12 months um, all along. But okay. I just think the cost of life has uh, impacted on people's ability you gotta to do things faster. you got to save for it. you got to save for it. Okay, yeah, let, me, let, let, me know, let me know how you get on with those two potential proposals today, will you? I will. I will. We'll keep an eye out. Okay. Cheers for now. Take Thanks care. Steve. Sandra Good Looney to with to, to Have and to Hold Wedding Planning. They do everything. The whole shooting match for you. Uh, check them out online. Back after 11, text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Conversation that matters. One of the more bizarre stories I heard in a while is this chap, uh, Gary Pilnick. He's the uh, CEO of uh, Kellogg's. I mentioned it earlier on this morning. I'm only coming back to it because of some audio of the CEO who made uh, over $4 million last year. And we know that more and more people are struggling to uh, eat or to provide food. And earlier in the week, we were talking about, uh, unfortunately, parents. Um, and it's getting worse, um, you know, not eating meals themselves so that their children can eat, cutting back on all sorts of things. Luxuries are out the window for some, even planning a spring break or a holiday or anything like that. Uh, not to mention, um, you know, clothing or footwear or what have you. It's food and heat dominates. But anyway, he said um, that uh, struggling families should eat cereal for dinner. Um, very unkind thing to say. Uh, he says it's much more affordable. But it reminds you of uh, Marie Antoinette, who was so out of touch when she told the people of Paris are starving. They have no bread. 
let them eat cake, she said. But this is this is the man himself. It's about 60 seconds of what he had to say. The cereal category has always been quite affordable, and it tends to be a great destination when consumers are under pressure. So some of the things that we're doing is first messaging. we got to reach the consumer where they are. So we're advertising about cereal for dinner. If you think about the cost of cereal for a family versus what they might otherwise do, that's going to be much more affordable. But in, in general, the cereal category is a place that a lot of folks might come to because they, the price of a bowl of cereal with with milk and with fruit is less than a dollar. So you can imagine why a consumer under pressure might find that to be a good place to go. Right. I'm all for innovation and marketing, but the idea of having cereal for dinner, um, is there the potential for that to land the wrong way? Uh, We don't think so. In fact, it's landing really well right now, Carl. When we look at all of our data, of course, we would know that breakfast cereal is the number one choice for in-home consumption. We understand that for breakfast. It turns out that over 25% of our consumption is outside the breakfast occasion. A lot of it's at dinner, and that that occasion continues to grow, as well as the snacking occasion. But um, cereal for dinner is something that is, is probably more on trend now, and we would expect to continue as that consumer is under pressure. Bizarre, isn't it bizarre? It's encouraging parents to feed their children cereal for dinner, not wholesome meals with lots of veg, not warming food, depending on the time of the year. But it, this is an American story. That's why you, he uses a term like, how is this landing? Uh, before you would say, how do you think the public would react to a story like that? Uh, God almighty, um, as, uh, as I get older, the world gets crazier and crazier. Okay, can I just mention a few texts and we'll come back to, I'd love to talk with people who are leapier babies. They call you leapers or leapsters or leaplings. But before I come back to that, just some, some text, just picking up on the changing world we, we live in. I've, I have no issue with people who are critical of the, the things that I say or the manner in which I say them or how they interpret my talk. I was talking about that case before the courts at the moment with regards to a man uh, who is answering uh, in, in court the burning of, you know, setting fires in five different um, Cork stores on Sunday afternoon. Neil, would you give over this racist agenda you're pushing? It's disgusting. Shame on you. I have no idea, you know, why you would say something like that. I have no agenda in any way, shape or form. Can I just say... And and when you're explaining you're losing, they say, but let me explain it again. I mentioned that case before the courts this morning. I got maybe a dozen or so texts and many of them have points of view that cannot be put to air for legal reasons because of this court case. I'm telling people who texted me, I'm terribly sorry I can't read your text out. Where in the name of God is there a racist agenda in that regard? Can I just say that sadly the, the rules regarding what you can and can't say on air or on television or indeed in print um, are very, very different. I noticed a story that was was shared yesterday and the first run of the story that was shared by different online media outlets was then subsequently amended. And I know the reason that part of the story was amended was for, for legal reasons. You cannot behave on air the way some people behave on social media. It's a completely different world. It's completely unregulated. It's the wild west of comment and people say whatever they want. I, I can't work under that under that uh, regime. It's it's not legal. I'm not allowed to do it. So um, anyway, I pass it on. But as they say, if you're explaining, you're losing. Uh, um, yeah, I see a lot then on hospitals. Can I just can I just mention because there are positive experiences as well. Not to mention the negative ones in Cork hospitals. And again without pushing any kind of agendas, um, I was in the Mercy two years ago, Neil, about four times. 
They couldn't figure out what was going on and they did every test. I couldn't eat. I had pains in my stomach. I lost nearly three stone. I looked and I felt absolutely wretched. On my fourth visit, I met a lovely doctor, a Dr. Chris. He ordered to have cameras done, some sort of endoscopy, I would think, in that regard. Um, this was on a Friday. He apologised to me and he said he was sorry he couldn't admit me until the camera was done, but that he'd get it done ASAP. On Monday morning, got a phone call from this doctor himself to see if I could make an appointment on Tuesday. I ended up having heliocobacter, a bug in the stomach. I had three tests done and it never showed up in the earlier three. Because of him, I got the treatment done. It was horrible, but it cured me. I could see that this doctor was concerned. He cared. I can't come on air at the moment, but I need to have my say regarding the CUH. Here's another one. I was referred to A&E on the 3rd of January with a very bad perineum abscess. And it was, it was close to turning septic. Now, sepsis can kill you. It could have been a completely different story if my care was not amazing. I could go on all day with all the good things I could say about them in the CUH going through even A&E. I was in a ward for two nights. And the abuse those overworked nurses take from patients is beyond atrocious, says Carol. They're being screamed at. They're being cursed at. They're being told to go back from where you're from. I was disgusted. I saw a nurse crying and I told her, you're all doing an amazing job. Ignore these ignorant people. Also, just on what that lady caller was saying regarding hygiene, the place, including the A&D, the wards, the toilets and the recovery room were all spotless. And this was just back in January of 2024. So there's a lot of different aspects to that text, of course, some very much you know, kind, complimentary things regarding the staff and the hygiene, but also... Uh, the abuse those overworked nurses take from patients is atrocious. Screamed at, cursed at, being told to go back from where you came from. Text 0868104106. Calls on the way. Anne is standing by. Dylan, Ashling, Linda, Cloda, lots more. Oh, all on leap year. Text or WhatsApp Neil now. 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Red FM. Uh, just for now, one final text on the current topic because it has to do with people and how they react to staff, right? And I made the point about people might be on meds that might make them, you know, out of it or you know, potentially aggressive out of it. I do know a family member who woke up from a general anaesthetic incredibly violent. He can't remember any of it. Going forward from then on, he has to make a huge deal about forewarning the nurses. Uh, they don't normally take him at his word, but he warns them to have security in the room when he wakes up. Neil has a point that certain meds can make a person aggressive. Thank you for that. And I'll come back to all of those. But to the day that's in it, it is February 29th. It happens only once every four years. It's my son's 16th birthday today. His name is Nathan. He's in junior start in Bandon Grammar. It's a special one for him. He is a leap year baby, of course, but he's more special than just that. He was born with a club foot and yet again, against all the odds, achieved great things. He's a fighter with a never-give-up attitude and is always smiling. He represented his school in the Junior Cup semi-final against Prez yesterday and also plays hurling with Kledove and football with Kilmurray. I hope you give a special shout-out to him, please. Nathan, we're all very proud of you, buddy. Always keep that beautiful smile. You're an inspiration to everyone. We love you very much from mum, dad and your three special brothers and your sister. He's a special lad in fairness to him. He's a real achiever. He's 16th birthday today, but he's actually only four. 
is technically four. I mean, it's a bizarre topic, isn't it? I was reading up about it overnight and I was telling you about Chloe, who's 52, but she's technically only 13. And they also say, you know that Facebook doesn't notify people that it's their birthday on a leap year. So you can't, your friends don't get to hear about it. I wonder if you filled in one of those automated forms online where you, you know, it, it gives you the option for the date to put in if you're applying for something. It will never give you an option for the 29th of February. So people feel very forgotten about it. Um, you know, you don't get discounts apparently online when people realise it's your birthday and they want to send you a special code, 10% off because it's your birthday. You don't get that. Um, there are other things like that. I was just doing a bit of a dive into it. Today is the day when uh, you're working for free. You get no pay for this day that's in it. It's a, an extra day in the workplace for your employers. No dosh, apparently, because um, it's not recorded as a day. Um, it's not a valid day in the workplace, apparently. So we are all working today for free, lads. Oh, they're look, they're walking out of me. <laughs> they're literally, they've all stood up and walked out for the first time in a long time. Oh, hang on, one's coming back. <laughs> the other hasn't. Anyway, back to the phone. You keep my mouth shut. Dylan, good morning. <laughs> good morning, Neil. How are things? You're a journalist. I just had two of them walk out to me because <laughs> they're working for free. Are you? Are you? Um, are you a leap year baby? I am. Yeah, I'm born February 29th, nineteen ninety-six. So, what are you? Twenty-eight or are you seven? Which? I'm both today. So, twenty-eight and and the big seven. So, I have a big party later on in Chucky's. Fair play. Enjoy. Um, how has that date impacted on your life? A 28-year-old going into jockeys, fair play. <laughs> it's probably the easiest conversation topic you're ever going to get in your life. Like, uh, especially when you start a new job or whatever, and they usually ask you about icebreakers. But the problem is when you're filling up forms online, like you said, where, like, you know, it, it doesn't register the 29th of February and most forms end up coming up as invalid. Or, like, <laughs> if you're ever going to get somewhere. It's really annoying. Like, even on Sunday, I was over in London. I was working at the League Cup final between Liverpool and Chelsea. And I went up to collect my match accreditation after spending, I'd say, about an hour in security. And I was like, oh, really? It was like, you're born this 29th? Yeah, that's my date of birth. That's so untrue. Yeah, I'm in a massive rush to get upstairs. To please, please. <laughs> were, you, were you at the Liverpool-Chelsea match and you were paid to be there, were you? Yeah, I was overworking at the game doing a piece in Queen and Kelleher with the Echo. And it, it just made me laugh, though, because it's a bit like, no matter where you are, like, you'd be at the doctor's surgery and you'd be dying sick, like, and you could literally fit the collapse. And it's like, hey, what's your name? Yeah, Dylan, what's your date of birth? 29th. That's so interesting. When do you celebrate it? And I'd be like, I'm going to collapse. Please let, please let me lie down. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, when do you celebrate it, though? So I have to celebrate on the 28th because both my nans are born on March the 1st. It wouldn't make sense to flip it to March 1st. I mean, that would be insane. You would have to, every four years, go to the 28th, yeah? Did you yeah, feel uh, it? Did, no. did you, 28th, wouldn't it be? Yeah, 28th, yeah. But do you feel cheated, though? I suppose you don't know any different. Like, it's you kind of miss out on small things where, like, you know, when you get emails, like, oh, because it's your birthday, you get 20% off and, like, I don't know, whatever shop. Like, you don't get anything like that. Like, I remember, was it four years ago, at the International Airport Hotel did a free lunch for leap years and I got free soup. And it was, like, for the first time in my life, I got something for free on my birthday because it was my birthday, I got a bowl of soup. And it was a good soup, so it was like I couldn't complain. But they couldn't they couldn't have said free lunch and given you a bowl of soup. That's 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 kind of an insult to uh, what do they call you guys again? Uh leapsters, leapers, leaplings? Uh yeah, I I've heard all three of the news and to be honest, I only so not about it four years ago because <laughs> 
I never knew anyone born in Leaker until about four years ago, which is quite funny. <laughs> Free lunch for leapier babies. <laughs> Here's a bowl of soup. You get kicked everywhere you go. <laughs> no, don't worry. I ordered the bowl of soup myself because I'm a bit, a bit of a soup fan, but that's beside the point. <laughs> oh, man. It's annoying, is it? It's, it's annoying, but it's also kind of fun at the same time, though. Like today, I suppose it's like, like, I suppose if no matter how a normal person is excited for the birthday, you're not getting five times more excited because it's a bit like, imagine you only have Christmas once every four years, a eh, kind of thing where it's a bit like, yeah, yeah, it's fun, you actually get to say it's my birthday kind of thing. Whereas every other year, it's like, oh, three years to the big day, two years to the big day, one year to the big day. Oh my God. This is the only opportunity I'm going to get in four years to wish you happy birthday properly then, is it? Legitimately. Yeah. <laughs> What are you going to do today to celebrate your once in four years birthday? Nothing major. Just hoping to, just, uh, hoping to read and then this evening you know, have some cake and order food with my family. I might go up to the Royal Rose and do the quiz. I quite enjoy doing the quiz up there. Um, so I'm just chill out though because it's a bit like when you when it's once every four years it's kind of a sense of pressure of I need to do something to mark this but then it actually gets to the day and you're like I actually don't know. Okay, well, we do know today, and we do know you're going to the Briar Rose tonight. So, because you're a special, because you're a special case, I'm assuming now we we'll put a shout out to the Briar Rose to give you a couple of pints for your birthday, right? That'd be lovely. Uh, if, if I don't worry, I wouldn't ask for anything. But you're, you're under, you're under, you're, under, you're underage to drink them, though. You're only seven. <laughs> they might let you into the Briar tonight because your ID shows wrong. <laughs> Good luck with that. Thanks, Dylan. Appreciate you taking the call. Good luck. And happy happy birthday. Good luck. He's a funny guy. He's a very tongue-in-cheek funny guy, isn't he? I like that kind of humour. And good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Well, happy 14th birthday. Thank you. I mean, that must be great. I wouldn't mind being 14 as opposed to, you know, 62. What are you? You're technically 52, but really 14, is that? No, 56. 56. Sorry. 56. Okay. How does yeah. being a leap year baby, how has it impacted on your life? To be honest, it hasn't really impacted on my life. It's just like when my brothers and sisters are having birthdays, I get a, they're getting a happy birthday, I'm getting a happy anniversary of your birthday. <laughs> there is such a card? <laughs> no. No. I would just get a happy birthday and the, the happy would be crossed and anniversary would be put in. So, but every four years then you get a legit birthday card. I get a legit birthday card, yeah. And my, my kids used to love the fact that I was a leap year baby, that when they finally came to understand how my birthday worked, I would get told, we don't have to listen to you, we're older than you, you have to listen to us. <laughs> See, now, this is what I'm talking about. Room. <laughs> they, yeah. they send you to your room. They're still doing it, yeah. <laughs> My son especially is, no, you go to your room, I don't have to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, these are the stories yeah. I'm looking for. You know, this, uh, I mean, not that we need female liberation because we're ploughing ahead in that regard, but this is a day of female liberation and independence where women, years ago, were allowed to propose. Are you aware of that? Oh, definitely, yeah. I'm aware of it. I wouldn't do it, but I'm aware of it. Do you know the backstory to it, how it came about, a conversation between Bridget and St. Patrick? St. Bridget and St. Patrick? No, I don't, actually. Well, apparently, it was traditionally known as Ladies' Privilege or Bachelor Day, and it's a tradition that goes back um, to the days when St. Patrick and St. Bridget 
they weren't saints at the time obviously we did that but they were both alive at the yeah. same time and Bridget was championing the rights of a woman to assert herself more in those days right she was very forward yeah. thinking Bridget and she brought up the issue one day when she met St. Patrick in the 5th century because women were ageing and getting older and older waiting around for men to propose so she asked him to allow to come up with a plan where women would be allowed to do the proposing so St. Patrick apparently agreed and he said that he would allow it once every seven years she, she wasn't having any of that and she kept up the fight and whittled him down to four years and that's why we have this leap year tradition every four years where women then for hundreds and hundreds of years were allowed to propose but only on that one day it led on then to a thing called the Skellig's List did you ever hear of that? No Okay, well, I come back. I will come back to that because there's another story called the Skellig's List, um, and it used to happen on the junction of the Grand Parade and uh, the South Mall, just where the uh, the monument is. There, they would gather. Young okay. people would gather. They would gather every leap year night, like tonight, and they'd literally, yeah. like you do the equivalent on Facebook now. They would call out and post notes up on the buildings around the Grand Parade of people who were single, and they'd kind of mock them, you know. Okay. <laughs> and they kind of ridiculed them because they were saying, this is the day when you really need to propose because you're a bachelor or a spinster and you will be for life. So it was a bit of fun. It was called the Skellig's List. Yeah. Where people were yeah. called out in places. <laughs> the reason being because Skellig is so far off the coast, the West Coast, um, that it's one of the most westerly places for the sun to set. So... It, it kind of had it had longer of the day do you know what I mean that they were saying you still yeah. have time to go to Skellig's and propose you know anyway that's just yeah. they're just some of the folklores behind it you know very interesting though yeah very interesting so for your birthday yeah. for your birthday today it's your first in four years when you can actually really have a birthday what will you do I'm not actually doing anything because I'm just recovering from surgery so I've only been out of hospital a few days Oh, yeah, but so, can, I'm not doing much. Yeah, but you can have somebody cook you dinner or bring in a birthday oh, cake. Oh, my husband will. My husband will cook me dinner. Yeah, because you're too. Because you, yeah. you'd be too young to be left near the cooker. You see. Yeah, I'm not allowed near the cooker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's your second year. This is your second year as a teenager. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 True. Yeah. <laughs> well, happy birthday! I, I get to twenty-one eventually. <laughs> when you get to twenty-one, you'll actually be eighty-four. I will. <laughs> I love this. I know I'm coming across all childish. My apologies. Thanks, Anne. Happy birthday. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Ashling. Hello, Neil. Happy somebody's birthday today for the leap year. Whose is it? Yes, it's my daughter, Lily. She's eight today. No, no, she's not. She's two. <laughs> she probably... She's very mad when people say that to her. She's, she's like, probably, no, I'm yeah. eight. Is it do two are two year olds gone beyond teething? Are they? They probably are. She's just she's um, just learning to walk. It's her second birthday, but it's her eight year eighth year around the sun. So she she spent eight years on the planet, but it's her second birthday. And does she give out to mammy and daddy that she was born on a leap year and is different to other children? Every single year, absolutely every. Year. She's actually she's a child who loves birthdays and loves celebrating everyone else's birthday as well. So, like, the fact that she only gets one every four years, she does feel shortchanged. And how do you combat that? Do you say, well, it's just because you're one of the special few. There's only one in 1,461 chances that the other boys and girls are like you. Yeah, she she adores rare things. So we, we constantly tell her that her birthday is rare and she loves that. And actually, to be fair, we kind of went big with her first fourth birthday 
and um, that was four years ago as you can imagine we surprised her with a trip to Disneyland Paris for her birthday wow to fly out on March 16th 2020 so um, Uh that didn't happen that didn't happen I know that date only too well yeah, yeah. So um, this year we were too afraid to go big. So we decided just to have a small party with cousins and friends at home. But then her school decided to spoil her rotten this morning. Um, she turned up to school, as we always do every morning, walked into school, into the yard, to all of second class, singing her lover, have on a good. What's that? Uh, they, What's and that? the kids organised that themselves. What they, did they uh, organise? What's, what is the song? Happy birthday to you in Irish. It's oh, uh, Yeah, mm-hmm. she's in Gwelskana Duglisha. And um, the second class kids, because they love her so much, got together themselves this morning in the yard and kind of did a guard of honour to her singing her happy birthday as she walked in to the close this morning. See, I told you. Um, they don't do that for yeah. any of the other kids, do they? No, no, they don't. It was really special, actually. It was lovely to see. And her teacher and her SNA are organising a massive party for the class as well today to celebrate it. So, um... That that you know, the, like in fairness, they're a brilliant school, but uh, she she's being spoiled rotten considering she can't celebrate it again until sixth class. So, <laughs> oh, no. so yeah. Do you still give yeah. a birthday card on the twenty eighth or the first? No, or well, what? Our logic behind it was on the twenty eighth, she was still six. On the first of March, she turned seven. So what we do is we celebrate it on the first of March. Um, because that's her first day of being the new age. Yeah, yeah. So Does she wakes up that morning. Is she aware of all of the annoying challenges when she grows up, <laughs> filling out forms uh, online? No, she is not. Because, well, I mean, in her school, the school system uses Aladdin, which doesn't recognise the 29th of February at all. So they keep defaulting it to the 28th, and she's like, "It's not the 28th; it's the 29th." She's very particular about these things. I'm sure there's a great so. reason for this every four years. Does it have something to do with the planets or the alignment of the sun or the calendar year or the Roman calendar or something? Do you know? Um, I, I, as far as I know, it's to do with the fact it's just the length of time it takes to go around the sun doesn't evenly match into 365 days. So we need that extra day every four years to catch up. Okay. And as a consequence of that, your young daughter, Lily, has a birthday yep. technically every four years. I love it. I love yep. it. She was born four years ago as Leo DiCaprio was picking up his first Oscar. <laughs> Is that right? For what film? I, um, oh Lord, I don't even know what he won it for. I was I was in the middle of labour. I wasn't really paying attention. Did he win it for Titanic or did he win it for The Beach? No, it was after. It was well after that. Was it? I don't know. Was it the Wolf? The Wall Street oh, the Wolf or of Wall Street else. or something like that. Okay. Well, you should, then anyway. you should watch that film really every. Attention. You should watch that film every four years on Lily's leap year birthday. Yeah, well, when she's old enough to watch it, maybe. But um, for now, she's just a kid who's frustrated at her birthday once every four years. That's right. She thinks she's eight, but she's actually two. Happy birthday to Lily. Thanks, Ashling. Take care. <laughs> no Cheers. I was, actually on, I was actually on that beach, the beach where they filmed the film, The Beach. It is an absolutely mind-blowingly beautiful beach. But the amount of people that are on it is like a queuing system to get onto that Thai beach, the beach. It's uh, one of the part of the PP Islands, but it's astonishing, the colour of the water. You're not allowed into the water. You're just not allowed even in to the water. It's because it's got this coral reef out there that needs protection. You'd have thousands and thousands of people visiting it on a daily basis. Anyway, enough for me. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I know that Rachel is, is standing by there, but I just see another line pop in ahead of her, so it must be a time constraint. Spud! Yeah. How are you, pal? Good, yeah. Happy birthday. Thanks very much. You're 12? 
12th today, yeah. Right, uh, and, you're, and, and you're getting married on your 12th birthday today, are you? I'm getting married on my 12th birthday today, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where? <laughs> in Clamella. And how old is your, your soon-to-be wife? Mm, she's, I think she's about 46. <laughs> so she's yeah. 46, and you're getting married to her, and you're 12. She's nearly four, t- yeah, so she's nearly four I, times your age, Spud. But sure, if anything goes wrong, then I can claim I was only 12. <laughs> <laughs> big, big. And, and, and I only have an anniversary every four years. <laughs> So you think you think as you head into wedded bliss that you only have to celebrate the anniversary every four years that no gift is required or anything like that? Listen, I'd be I'd be very cautious. I'd be very cautious about that plan, pal. It'll get you into a lot of trouble. What's your what's your what's your what's your bride's name? Lisa Lisa Cochran. Okay, where are you getting married? Raheen House. Where's that? It'll be. The old bridge area, Raheen Road. Is that up around Clonmel? Yeah, Clonmel, yeah, yeah. yeah. They'll let you. Is it a church wedding? No, no, no. God, no. You're doing it in the house? Oh, I wouldn't be a holy man at all. Oh, it's a beautiful. I'm just seeing it here. It's an absolutely stunning house. It's gorgeous. Um, they, prob- they probably will let you in, all right, let you get married, but they won't let you anywhere near the bar. You know, everybody's going around getting a glass of wine at your wedding later on. You'll be on 7-Up. 7-Up, yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. So, happy 12th birthday for the leap year that's in it. But tell me, do you, do you, do you, does, does, it, does it annoy you? Is it, is, it, is it a pain in the ass, being a leap year baby? No, because you can celebrate it on the 28th and the 1st of March, so you get two days out of it. Right. <laughs> Fair play. You, you're actually beating us. You get three birthdays every year. Have a great one today. Congratulations on the marriage. Thanks very much. You're probably up to 90, are you? Yeah, I know. It's a minute. You're on the car heading to the wedding? No, I'm cleaning the car. We're here at the minute. <laughs> they're, all gone off getting, they're all gone off getting their hair and makeup done, so I'm cleaning the car. What are you talking about, man? You should be going for a, a, hot, a hot shave somewhere or... Having a bottle of champagne before you get driven to the house. Cleaning out the car yourself. Poor old leap year babies, boy. They have a tough time of it. We have a tough boy. Try labour. (laughs) Try labour. He's only 12. All right, Spud. Well done. Congratulations. Have a great day. Take care. Lisa. Lisa's 46. He's 12. They get married today. I love it. Anyway, let me get some sense into this. Rachel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. <laughs> I'm very childish, aren't I? This kind of a topic brings out my childish sense of humour. Anyway, um, you're, you're principal of Skull Arasherie Creast in Farnery, am I right? The primary, the girls' yeah. primary. That's it, Skull Arasherie Creast. Yeah. And there is a lovely, we, lovely... Go ahead, sorry, I want to interrupt. Yeah. No, we, are, we have big celebrations here today in our school because um, Sister de Pazzi, who was principal of the school when I came to school here myself... Many, many moons ago. I think she was only in her teens then, Neil, uh, when she was principal. Um, but she's celebrating. <laughs> See? <laughs> We're all a bit childish today. <laughs> but uh, so she's celebrating her 100th birthday today. 
So to have a birthday on a leap year is very special, but to be 100 on the 29th of February it must be incredibly rare. That is amazing. She's 100 years old in years today, but technically has only had 25 traditional birthdays. 25 traditional birthdays, And yes. how is and she? Is she hale and hearty? Oh, she's fantastic. She's in Derek Lynn nursing home uh, today and they have a big party where all her presentation sisters are going to be joining her. Um, and the examiner, I believe, is there. And there's just, I was talking to the owner earlier and she said that she's never met anyone who's had so many visitors in general. Um, but I suppose she's had many, many years to build up a lot of friends. Um, so she's um, she's always been interested in music. She's, you know, shared her gifts and talents with everyone down through the years and she is playing the piano out in Derrick Lynn and she is um, the choir director at there. 100 years of um, age isn't that a stunt? at 100 years of age what's her still secret going to, very strong what's her secret she's as frightly as a 25 year old <laughs> <laughs> she would be because she's only 25 I, still, see, I can, see, I can see her in a nun's habit as the principal there in her, in her 30s when she was actually only seven and a half <laughs> Yeah, something to that, something like that. But um, a wonderful woman. You know, she's just always been so graceful, so elegant and so kind and generous. And look, she spent her whole life really with children. And I think maybe that's what kept her young, you know. Because I'd love to know what the secret is to be mentally and physically on top of your game at 100. (laughs) And tell me about her 80th birthday. What happened then? Uh, so, well, we always, you know, we'd, we'd always celebrate Sister Depazzi's birthday because like that uh, little girl who's eight, Lily, out there in, in Squirrel Skull Douglas, does come around, you know, once every four years. So um, when Sister Depazzi turned 80, um, you know, we, we had all of the children bring her 80 daffodils. She loves daffodils. So she'd always come over to us to celebrate her birthday and uh, we'd always make a presentation to her and the children would get involved. So she had 80 daffodils on her 80th birthday. And we had her her last celebration um, of her birthday was here in February um, of 2020. um, And it was just before lockdown. So that was our last opportunity to celebrate her birthday here in the school. Wow. Will she get flowers today? I'm not suggesting she get 100 daffodils, but who knows? Yes, she oh, she gets many, many flowers today. So um, I would say the nursing home is absolutely blossoming with them at the moment. And um, I think they had a basket over in the church where people, uh, you know, in the local community here in Farnry were able to go over and visit and drop cards and presents. And it was full of things like lovely milk tray and lots of little gifts from just people in the community to be brought out to the Darryglin to Sister Pazzi today. Yeah. I'd, say that's amazing. I'd say that, to be honest with you, Sister Depazzi is probably Ireland's oldest leap year baby. It's got to be. Be hard to beat that. She has to be. Has she to has be. to be. Nano she is birthday. an absolutely beautiful, beautiful woman, the embodiment of Nano Nagel. Oh, it's a beautiful lovely, thing to say. Well birthday. done. And I'm sure you're continuing the tradition, your good self. Thank you so much, Rachel. Great story. Okay. Thank Happy you birthday very much, to Principal of uh, Skull Arasharai. Creased the girls' primary school in Farnry. What a beautiful story regarding Sister Pazzy. Text, keep them coming. Text 0868104106. Oh, I'd love to chat with these tomorrow if we get a chance. I think we will be. Can you please say happy birthday to my brother, Jeremiah Long? It's a big day for him. He just got proposed to. Yes, indeed. See if we can make that happen because today is the day. I mean, it's not such a big deal now, but years ago, not too long ago, it was even a different world 50 years ago, it would be unheard of 
It was unheard of for women to go into pubs at one stage, totally unheard of for women to drink pints, and completely and utterly unheard of of a woman even suggesting that she should uh, propose to her, her loved one. But today's the day when it could be done, and it happened. It happened, apparently, to Jeremiah Long today. So more on that tomorrow. Hold those calls back after the break. Call Neil now. 0818 104 106. The Neil Prenderville Show uh, yeah. on Red FM. It's all about the birthday shout-outs for people born on a leap year. Now I have a better idea of it. Julius Caesar is the person we have to blame for the day that's in it. He introduced the first calendar leap year in the year 46 BC. Um, the reason? The Earth takes exactly 365 days, 5 hours, 48 minutes and 45 seconds to circle the sun. It does it anyway, whether we like it or not. But the occasional February 29th, as in one every four years, ensures that we don't lose, because of that travelling and that uh, uh, circumnavigation, if we didn't have it, we would lose six hours every year, right? So if you do the maths on that over 10 years or 20 years or 30 years or a lifetime, you'd be, you wouldn't actually be losing it in real time, but in terms of the mathematics, you would be losing six hours every year. So that's a whole hill of beans, isn't it? And that's the reason behind it, just to keep things regular. I'm quite sure that leap year babies would have, would have preferred if Julius Caesar had minded his own damn business. But let's just get another couple of uh, uh, leap year birthday shout outs for the day that's in it. The day in which all of us are working for free because it does not exist. So therefore, you ain't paid for it. Right, So if you mess up today, technically there can be no HR issue because you're not really there and are not being paid. <laughs> anyway, somebody had an accident today in the workplace. One wonders whether or not it would become an issue in court saying, well, actually, you know, you weren't technically being paid for that, so sorry. But anyway, I know I divest. I, I, uh, I am I'm, I'm digressing. Let's get back to the cause. Uh, Linda's standing by, so is Angela. We'll finish up, finish up on these. Claude, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Happy second birthday to Shay, who thinks he's eight. Yeah, yeah, I know. How's he get, how does he get on with that? Is he, he's eight, really, but is he aware um, of the whole leap year thing? Well, he's no, he's not really. And he actually has autism, so he's not really aware of like birthdays as much. But like I, he always has a birthday to me. I remember before I went in to have him, I was like, what if he's born on the leap year? He was originally meant to be born on the 28th. And I was t- telling myself, he's not going to have a birthday. He's not going to have a birthday. But every year I still give him a birthday. So, you know. Yeah, if I remember crazy, correctly, you had, a big, you had a big fight. Um, and I know we spoke about this in the past, even just getting him a school place. Isn't that right? I did, yeah. And you were I successful did, in your fight, weren't you? Yeah, we were, thank God. Um, he's in St. Gabriel's now in Bishopstown. Um, he's in his second year there now and he loves it they're brilliant alright and will they will they mark his, his little birthday today they will yeah they emailed me last week and um, we're going to celebrate leap year birthday for Shay so I sent in a birthday cake and um, party bags for his friends and stuff like that um, and they actually have a grand opening tomorrow because they actually have a new building so the grand opening is tomorrow and they're having a big fun day out there as well tomorrow. So he has a double celebration now in St. Gabriel's. Well, brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, yeah. brilliant. I love it. I love it. Well, happy birthday to him. I'm glad things that work out. It's a, it's an awful weight off your mind, isn't it? Yeah, it is definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday to the little man Shay. Eight today, but having his technical second birthday. Thanks for that. Much obliged, Cloda. Linda, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How has are it, you? Has it impacted on your life uh, being born on a leap year date, the 29th? Well, I did as a child, Neil, definitely. I hated it. Yeah, it was awful Why? as a child. Because you just don't know where your birthday went. 
you just you go to bed on, on the 28th and then you think it's tomorrow and then you wake up and it's March and you're, you're not sure where where did it go. I know. And I used to I used to beg my mother if I could stay up till midnight because I thought if I if I was really quick I could catch it at midnight even if I just got like 30 seconds it must be there somewhere. It Somebody stole there, it. It got lost. And how did your yeah. parents, when you were young, right, going through those emotions, how did they explain it to you? Um, I think not, not the Julius Caesar story. I never heard that one. I only heard that that in the last few years. Um, no, just that you have to have it on the the twenty eighth instead, and then every four years they make it. They make a big fuss. And that was that was my dad still gets confused even now, and I'm 48 now, and he still rings me up, and he's like, "Is it today or tomorrow? I don't know what day you're having it." And he still finds it all very confusing. It's a bit like, but, perhaps to a lesser extent, but still not unrelated to somebody whose birthday is on Christmas Day. I always would feel that somebody's birthday on Christmas Day, you're, it's also kind of being cheated to an extent. Yeah, definitely. Now, as an adult, I think it's it's a good story, you know, and, and it's kind of a good talking point with people. But definitely, as a child, I, I felt very hard done by, and I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't work out where it went. But um, yeah, it's 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 funny now. As an adult, it's a it's a funny story, and people still enjoy it. And you still get card like I get cards today, you know, with twelve the twelve badge on it and twelve birthday cards and stuff. And yeah, do do, do you oh, actually you celebrate my? Uh, do, you know, have you got one yet today? Yeah, I have, yeah. Saying yeah. happy birthday, you're 12 today? Yeah, with a little badge on it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'd be looking forward to having my 21st again when I'm, uh, when yeah. I'm 80, when 84. When you're 84. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're if you're if you're out and about right, and you're filling in a form or somebody asks you for your birth date, is it a big talking mm-hmm. point? Does it does it wear the pants off you constantly having to talk to people about it well if you don't put in the year then the 29th won't won't appear in the drop down if you don't have the right year in you know if you you have to do the year first and then and then go back and do the 29 because it won't always appear but if you yeah if you're if you give your date birth to someone they'll always look at you like as if you said something wrong first and then the then the penny drops you think that uh, restaurants or bars or places of hospitality should be doing special events free breakfasts or dinners for leap year babies is that right they do they do sometimes they do sometimes yeah Um, I think it'd be more bring in your passport or something a leap year cocktail um, you're yeah. only, you're only twelve, but you know, you maybe you could get a mocktail. What do you think? <laughs> I think if I brought in my, I think they took one look at me now, Neil. They know I'm not twelve. I think be, I could get served a cocktail definitely. Did your mammy take you to Perry Street this morning? Is it? She did. She did. Yeah, she got, she got the bus down from Limerick this morning. So I met her at the bus station. We've just had our breakfast there. So that's a good yeah. spot, Perry yeah. Street. I hope you enjoyed it. It was lovely. Happy, really, really nice. Yeah. Happy birthday for the day that's in it, Linda. Happy birthday. You're Thank twelve. You. You're twelve Thank today. You so much. Congratulations. Well Thanks, done. William Neil. All right, take Thanks care. Um, just one or two more. I was walking around town yesterday, and I was coming down Washington Street. Has anybody seen the menu for the Liberty Grill? It's a mind blower for breakfast. Perry Street's fabulous. It really is. But the Liberty Grill, um, it's a long time since it's up around that area. I don't know why, maybe not around the weekends, not in there during the week, but the food there looks absolutely... Spit Jacks is superb as well. I stopped and had a look at that one. But the Liberty Grill breakfast, they just the menu is just awesome. If you want a really good breakfast, then check it out. I'd say it fills in very early in the morning. Anyway, Angela, before you collapse on me from the coughing, coughing happy <laughs> 11th birthday. Eleven, I am today. Oh my God! Does your mammy? Does your mammy know that you're talking to me on the radio? 
No, she you, don't. So don't, don't say anything out loud. You need to go and ask your <laughs> mammy permission. Is it all right to talk to a grown-up? <laughs> yeah, I think she'd be okay with that, yeah. <laughs> Did you leave the best to last, Neil? Because I'm waiting to propose to somebody and I'm hoping there's somebody hanging around there. Off you go. Do you have anyone in mind? I don't know. Is there anybody hanging around there that's free or single or anything? Uh, that I can no, propose to today? One, one is taken and two are married. Um, I'm looking around here. Ah, oh, Jesus. Jamie... Jamie single. Oh, a, but a, how old is he now? Because I'm only eleven. He be, he, well, he behaves as if he's maybe eleven or twelve. Maybe that would work. <laughs> be <a> child enough. <laughs> anyway, We're all children today, aren't we? Yeah. So, have you got cards and everything's happy? Happy eleventh birthday today. Yeah, I got one, but then the real birthday cards come in and I'm going, hide them, hide them. <laughs> hide them, because I'm at work and they threw a big surprise for me in the canteen and everything, and the staff room, yes, yeah, so it's fabulous. So does anybody else at work get a spe- get special treatment on their birthday? No, no, because I am special, I think, just to me, though, to be beyond forgotten so, about tomorrow. So if, if people in the workplace, right, are singling out leap year babies on their birthday and they don't do it for everybody else's birthday, you know it's because they feel sorry for you. I think that's it. Don't say that too loud. I think that's it exactly. They feel sorry for me because for the other three years, like, people forget me. <laughs> like, I have to remind, I have to text people and go, it's my birthday. They go, oh yeah, but it's the 28th. And I go, no, it's still my birthday. I'm still born. <laughs> I hear though that you celebrate every day anyway, like as if it's a birthday. No inhibitions. I do. <laughs> Every day is a birthday for me. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what life is a party. All right, let me get one fast call on as I wish you happy birthday. Turning 11 today, Angela. Well done. Another couple of years, Thank you'll, be, you so another couple much. Of years you'll be a teenager, all right? I know. Then I'll be getting very bold. Okay. <laughs> as if you're not bold enough as it is. All the best. Happy birthday. <laughs> Finally, Callum Crinion and his mum, Debbie. I don't know which one of them I have here, but there is a special birthday going on. So is it Callum is there or is it Debbie is there? Uh, it's Callum. How are you, pal? Hi. What birthday is it? Um, it's my 12th, but my third in leap year. So you really, you're only three. You're a great little man to be able to talk as well as that for a three-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> and how do you feel about being a leap year lad? Um, it's um, it's kind of confusing when I was younger because I thought I was eight, but my mom kept on saying that I was um two, and I used to get so mad, and I was like, no, I'm eight, I'm eight, but then and then she was like, oh no, you're two in leap year, and then she com- and then she explained it to me, and then now I I finally understand how it works. Well, can you explain to me then, Callum, why we have this leap year where you only get a birthday really every four years? Why is that? Uh, there's an extra day in February. Yeah, but why did they put? The, why did they do that to you once every four years? The, the Roman empires. Right. Was it to do with the sun or something? And, uh, the, and the earth travelling around the sun and the time that it takes? Uh, we have more time in days. Well done, you when do. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. When the, um, the sun only travels um, around the sun um, every 300 years, but um, the Romans um, made one more, an extra day. They did, so, so that the... 
you know, so things wouldn't fall over or topple over or fall out of the sky. You have a total grasp, grasp, grasp of that. Do they spoil you in school then for your birthday, being a leap year lad? Uh, yeah, <laughs> loads of times. What do they do? Is there cake or sweets or do you have a party? Um, we we went for PE yesterday in school for my birthday. And that's a special event then, is it? Uh, yeah. And is your mam there with you as well, Debbie? Uh, yes. All right. Okay. So when you're 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 twelve, technically three. So when you're uh, forty-four, you'll be celebrating your twenty-first birthday. Yeah. It's almost as a, it's almost a, sorry. No, hang on a second. Uh, you'd have to be 84 to be celebrating your 21st birthday. So life is moving in slow motion for you, isn't it? Uh yeah. That's a lovely thing though. Forever young. Forever young Callum Crinian. Well done. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. I hope you have lots of presents today. Can I give a shout out to my friends? Yeah, go on. Where where are you going to school? Um uh Skullbreed Rackwarmock. And who are your pals? Um, um, Adam, Jack, Theo, Daniel, and Scott from Ride Rovers. Do you play? Uh, yes. Are you handy? Uh, yes. <laughs> You'll be playing underage for a long, long time. <laughs> yeah. Right. Happy birthday, Callum. I have to go. Have a great day, all right? Thank you. Take care, guys. That was a lot of fun that last hour. Hope you enjoyed it. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. When court talks, court people blow my mind. They talk to Neil Prendeville on Red FM.